about your new film And how the critics really loved it Including yourself and that's a really do a good effect All your dreams have come true I heard you bought a house in Martin Because you couldn't stand the smell of all the suitors of the creeps And that's a really do a good effect You're looking thin I'm so happy for you Everybody, it's Jason and Todd. Talk through lousy films. We're back. I'm back too. We're in, we're in person this time. I'm at Todd's house, and we're gonna watch uh, Jason's pick uh, this month. Uh, is a movie called The Identical. I did a great job this time. It was. It, he almost made me. What was it you were gonna make me watch again, Mister? I keep threatening you with these giant musicals from the '60s when musicals were falling out of style because they fucking suck. And I, I used to threaten you with the musical remake of uh, the, the Shangri-La movie, Lost Horizon, mm. uh, which, which they remade with Peter Finch in, the, I feel like, the 70s at some point, 60s or 70s. And uh, that's... Are you a fan of the original Lost Horizon? Have you ever seen the 1930-something? And it's uh, it's the guy from The Count of Monte Cristo. I like him a lot. I can't remember his name ever. I can't remember anybody's name. That's the name of the show. Well, I don't... Right? Yeah, that's it. And I don't so, remember that movie. Uh, uh, it's a wonderful uh, Frank Capra movie. Uh, Jane Wyman, I think. And they remade it with Peter Finch, and it's a fucking... Uh, it's like having the clap for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> what I threatened you with last time was the musical remake of Goodbye, Mr. Chips, another That's it. 30s uh, delight and that was uh, very poorly remade in the late 60s, uh, starring Peter O'Toole and Petula Clark. And this is a three hour epic about a school teacher. What can I tell you? Uh, uh, you lucked out. Because <laughs> this fucking thing came up, and it's so much more appropriate. To our purposes here, uh, essentially, it yeah. does have a musical element. That's for sure. <laughs> it's a musical in its way. Uh, just throw it. Okay, I, I, this is a movie about if Elvis's dead twin lived and became, unbeknownst to Elvis and unbeknownst to himself, that he's Elvis's brother, becomes an Elvis impersonator. Their careers parallel. Uh, the Elvis and the Elvis impersonator until tell me when I get this wrong because no, I've watched it in a couple right, weeks. You're, you're right. And then after Elvis dies, Elvis's brother finds a secret letter in a compartment or some shit and discovers that he's Elvis's brother and goes and meets Elvis's dad. And the kind of the apex of the movie for me is when it turns out that Elvis's dad, as an old man, is played by. Uh, Another guy whose name I constantly fucking forget, uh, and I'm always... Chris Mulkey. Oh, right, Mulkey, yeah. Chris Mulkey appears at the end of this and fucking just <clears throat> buttons this movie, nails the, the climax of the picture, uh, which is great. This guy is playing the young Chris Mulkey, I don't know his name, and the wife... She's playing the young Elvis's mother, she's got uh, she, twins she, here. She, I know her. You know her? Yeah. Is she like... She's not the one from Ginger Snaps, is she? I wouldn't know that. I'm sorry. Who's? It's Ginger Snaps. One of the ones where girls kick the ass of big strong men, or is that Chocolat? 
That's a chocolate. Ginger Snaps is a Canadian werewolf horror movie. Oh, I like werewolves. Uh, uh, and it's also a uh, coming of age for girls. Oh. It, it, it has to do... You, you be, it has to do when you get your period. I guess you uh, your werewolf thing pops out. From oh, these, these girls! It's a good movie, actually. Just Canadian girls. These two Can- Yeah, it's a Canadian movie, so I assume they're Canadian. So all the guys in high school who were saying that they had Canadian girlfriends over the summer, they were actually bitten by werewolves. <laughs> and that's why they were telling those stories. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I, I'm going to keep saying, "Oh, this is the thing that makes the movie." Which is how you can tell you're watching one of the worst fucking movies ever made. Uh, Ray Liotta, yeah, it's is, it, is the secret star of this. I can't even talk through this because he's doing a, a, a high no. energy Pentecostal faith healing type uh, sermon right now, and he's fucking excellent. He nails he really it. is good, and and this is it's so dumb. All the notes they're hitting first, they're starting with. They start with Elvis drunk driving through a cotton field. Right. Right. But his speech starts with, all all races are equal in the eyes of the Lord. So we've gotten that out of the way. So we don't (laughs) have to talk about the Elvis appropriation of black music thing. (laughs) Well, it's weird that this movie narrative swerves away from the Elvis appropriates black culture to become Elvis type story, which we all know and love. And instead, it's about how Jews and Christians need to get together and forge bonds, which is a, a, a theme that crops up pretty consistently throughout this. And it's especially nailed by all the preacher business mm-hmm. that Ray Liotta has to do. And his southern accent and his fucking, his, his, his physicality, his, I had no idea. None. And and I'm a big Ray Liotta fan. I think that, you know, when he shows up in these Sons of Newark bullshits and, you know, he, he surprises me sometimes. He'll surprise you with the deftness of his characterizations, even when he's playing two different people in the same movie, which, again, 25 years ago, I wouldn't have said, oh, yeah, Ray Liotta. You, you need somebody to play two totally different characters in a gangster movie? Ray Liotta. <laughs> but it turns out he, he, he's that guy. Yeah. Now. You know, he's fucking good. And this goddamn, what is this, 2013 or something? Yeah, uh, 14. Damn, he's so good. And Ashley fucking Judd. You're like, Ashley Judd, who she's you know, never I haven't bad. seen in forever. No. And she's not bad. She's never bad, right? No, no. And she nails this movie. And these two younger actors, the Ginger Snaps girl uh, and and the, the guy who later turns into Chris Mulkey, these two are in one movie, right? <laughs> and it's, 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 it's a movie I would basically turn off. It's not that good. Some of their acting seems unmotivated, like they didn't get a lot of direction. And, I, 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 you know, but... Three minutes into this, uh, fucking Ray Liotta and Ashley Judd show up. And there's this, I tell you, like seriously, sincerely, my heart kind of thumped and, and I got a little misty because when uh, Ashley Judd and Ray Liotta show up in the, in the scene with these two same actors that we just saw not quite, not quite nailing it, Holy fuck, these two pros show up and everybody is elevated. And the whole scene becomes kind of almost good. And I'm, I'm emotionally involved. And I did not see that coming. Uh-uh. I just really didn't think that that was going to happen. And, you know, it's one of my favorite things is when 
when they I'm rearranging some of these uh, some of these cables is this gonna cause trouble for it I don't think so. are these are these perfectly uh, coiled I'm sorry uh, bad stage hand one of the things that I like about a movie is if it consistently uh, uh, or even once or twice surprises me right sure comedy has to come from surprise real uh, horror has to come from a sort of creeping loathing but also you know you got to have those surprises in there yeah, otherwise yeah. it's not really horrific and uh, this movie surprises me with its production choices very very consistently the casting every few minutes you're surprised by the fact that some fucking buddy is in this picture which is not good it's not a good picture but all these <laughs> fairly good people that work a lot who you think well they had other options right now now Ashley Judd was in the middle of getting her entire career fucked over by a Weinstein, right? Yeah, I think and, it already had been. And that, that had over been happening. Right so she, she's probably I don't want to speak for her. She, she maybe she had retirement money. I mean, she made a lot of successful movies, but but some reason she shows up in this picture, either because she needs the work or wants the work or says, I'm friends with these people. I didn't do any of that homework. I'll tell you this. This is what I did, and then it's been a few weeks, so I forgot it, and it's perfect. Uh, now because I don't remember anybody's name so I don't have to this picture was directed by somebody whose father and grandfather were in the music business the producers of this picture are a father and son who uh, worked in music publishing and music management music uh, talent management and so where we get all the terrible fucking 90s music it's so that bad. shows up in this movie that's about the 50s, 60s, and 70s, where we got all these 90s arrangements, I think we can probably point to the director's father and grandfather, who are also uh, uh, ma the major part of the production team. And it's not funny, but funny, funny, not funny, uh, <laughs> cute, not cute, that the production team, the production, I forget the name of it, but the the... the the uh, above the title production team of this movie is also referenced. That's the big uh, record company inside the movie, which mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of the movie The Apple. Sure, sure. Which is the Israeli classic in which uh, Satan is a record company, mm -hmm. basically, right? Mm -hmm. And in this one, they don't go all the way to the Jew thing because this movie is about Jews and Christians getting together and, and not hating each other, which is a laudable intent uh ray liotta gives a speech at one point about how we've got to go save the jews in israel and it's a miracle that the seven-day war is taking place and that israel with the help of the entire military of america at its disposal defeats seven countries where everybody lives in a fucking tent so <laughs> this movie is kind of progressive in a weird very creepy culturally conservative you know pro-israeli way and it, it, it's just so awkward. Everything's so goddamn awkward in this picture. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a faith movie. It's a Christian propaganda movie. In its which, way. And you find all the, I mean, that Johnny thing notwithstanding. Although that was interesting <laughs> just because, you know, she was the actual person who uh, had this happen to. But then the, what, uh, the, the shack had all these names in it. Yeah, the Oscar shack. Oscar winners and shack stuff. something else. And that's like, what? Johnny, I think, is my favorite of all these, specifically because she plays herself, right? In, yeah, in yeah, yeah. And she clearly had a hand in all the writing and production. It was clearly a, 
uh, a force. You know, this is a personality. Johnny was a, a, a lady who uh, became a paraplegic in a diving accident and then later became a great artist. Uh, and she plays herself in the movie Johnny, which is also uh, probably still available for free in one of these random YouTube channels because it's so fucking awful and stunningly awkward yeah right? oh yeah and this is a kind of a commonality with okay did you have this experience when you were a kid and i probably told this story before and i told uh todd right before we started <clears throat> the podcast today that uh i want to turn over a little bit of a new leaf in that when i start to tell a story that i've already told on the podcast or even that i've already told to todd in some other context todd's gonna say no jason no <laughs> just like that and then uh Actually, actually, we made a recording of that. Now it's just a button he presses. No, Jason, no. <laughs> and then I'm going to stop telling the story. So if I already told this story, uh, stop me. But when I was a kid, my grandparents gave me tickets to go see a movie at a regular movie theater. And then later they had these movie screenings at the church. So it was a little bit more of a giveaway. Mm -hmm. But I went and saw this Billy Graham crusade type movie where this kid goes to Amsterdam, gets involved with drugs, gets a girlfriend... Uh, I think he has sex out of wedlock or something. And the end of the picture is a giant stadium, you know, a fucking soccer stadium full of fucking Christians in somewhere in Europe. And this kid wanders in, the main actor in the movie, suddenly the third act of the movie is, he wanders into a literal Billy Graham crusade, you know, come to Jesus for 70,000 people and gets saved, the end. And I found this awkward. You know, the yeah. 12 or 13-year-old kid. And I thought, well, this isn't a very good movie. And so I started to try to talk to my grandparents about what good movies are. Because obviously they're getting their advice from the church. And they, <laughs> you know, that may not be the, 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 the highest echelons of aesthetic That's joy. You know, and I started to try to tell them about, I don't know, Stanley Kubrick. And, you know, these are people who had already lived through the 60s and 70s. And they had to deal with, you know, my dad and his brothers and sisters telling them about all this shit that wasn't church-related. And their response was to give their kids' kids tickets to the Billy Graham crusade movie. <laughs> now, if I was a little older, <laughs> but I wasn't, I was 12 or 13. If I was a little older then, I would have realized not to bother my grandparents trying to get them to go see, you know, Full Metal Jacket or whatever the <laughs> fuck was going on. I remember my grandparents did see secular movies. They went and saw The Deer Hunter. They liked it very much. Oh, well, that's a good movie. Good movie. Uh, the thing that fascinates me about these uh, movies... Um, these Christian... These Christian movies, movies, especially these last two that you've shown me. The, like, the casts are sort of unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, and I always wonder, because, like, me personally, one of the few things that I don't do, I won't audition for, is Christian propaganda okay. films. And they're sneaky. Sometimes they, you know, they make it sound mm -hmm. like it's something else, and, yeah. then you, and then you read the script, and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. no, I'm not, uh, yeah. I'm not doing that." But I mean, here you have Ray Liotta in this uh, Christian movie. So I'm, I'm just wondering, are, are they Christian? Are these these devout these actors all devout Christians? Is Seth Green a devout Christian? These are the questions that get raised and on a podcast like this. Generally speaking, if it's up to me, they're not going to get answered because uh, I'm lazy. It's not because I don't want to, you know, be a good journalist or something. It's just that I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the stick to uh, 
uh, and I don't give a fuck enough. I did look up the the names and the careers of the three principal, uh, uh, the creative team, the producers at least, and the director being related, I thought was suspicious, and the fact that all the music in the movie was clearly engineered in about 1992, <laughs> uh, and that sort of coincides with the music management careers of two of the principal producers. That's enough information for me. I mean, I, I, I'm good there. <laughs> That's I'll, plenty. I'll draw my own conclusions. But yeah, the fucking <laughs> casting, kind of incredible. Now, Ashley Judd has, uh, obviously, family in the music business, in the Nashville business. Right. And this movie's uh, more or less set in Nashville uh, and Memphis or what, you know, whatever, that southern uh, scene, right? And it references several times. It has scenes that take place in the, uh, a sort of uh, southern music scene milieu. Here's one right here. Which, which has... Uh, okay, so this is 10 years later from the time when Elvis was 10, right? So now Elvis is 20, right? Right. So what is that? 1950? 1948? Something like that. That makes sense. So yeah. here we are in uh, a... What appears to be a, a largely African American uh, nightclub with uh, glass bricks and and real bricks are the two design elements that that are mostly evident. Uh, and if you listen, this sounds like blues that would have been recorded in about 1990, 1991 in Chicago mm-hmm. with a lot of horns. And a lot of uh, uh, vocal overdubs, uh, a lot of engineering. It doesn't sound... It, this sound doesn't take me to 1948, 1950 particularly. Uh, and yet, what they have thrust in front of us is a 35-year-old man who bears you know, more than a passing resemblance to Elvis Presley. And he's there to play a 20-year-old white guy who goes to these black clubs. With Seth Green! <laughs> Who is, uh, again, one of the things that makes the movie. And he's so fucking in it. He, he's this is the really invested in this character. A lot of the, a lot of the main actors in this are, are maybe not so good and not, you know, not that uh, uh, practiced, right? They, a lot of them seem, and, and, and i got to say, consistently, a lot of them seem like they're not getting a lot of direction. The fucking stars that show up in this movie nail it. Yeah. They're all real good. Yeah. Fucking Joey Pants. I can't stand that motherfucker. He does as good a job in this as, as anybody, as yeah. he's ever done. Yeah. Everybody does the work in this. So it it feels a lot like a passion project for a lot of these uh, actors to me watching it. Yeah. I get it's, the impression yeah. that they really give a shit. Ah, fuck. Fuck. And then Ray Liotta, your dad, you came in late, and Ray Liotta gets up off the couch and comes over to you. It's fucking terrifying. It's actually moving. <laughs> fucking Ray Liotta gets in your face. And, and so the director actually, you know, takes advantage in, in, in many of these cases. When he's got an element to put on screen, he throws it up there and he uses it. Sure. Now the problem with this guy playing young Elvis's young Elvis's brother, right? This is Elvis's yes, brother. Yes. Cuz cuz the real Elvis is out there being Elvis yes. at this point. Okay. Yeah. So so this guy playing Elvis and Elvis's brother, the only thing he's doing wrong in this scene is not cringing. Because right. it's really Liotta in his face and he's scaring me. He should be scaring <laughs> yeah, young Elvis's yeah. brother, but he's not. 
Seth Green plays drums. Have you seen him play drums before? Uh, did we know this about him? I I don't know. Did we? I don't know. Does he play drums on Robot Chicken? Maybe. I don't know. Does he have a little drummer character? Like, is that a secret passion of his? You know, I've always wanted to play drums. Or did he learn drums for this? Seth Green's like, fuck, I got to get into this movie about the two Elvises. Uh, I don't know. That's a really solid question. I have a feeling it's a special skill that Seth Green has. Probably enjoys right? drumming, it, and it, he's it, like, "Yeah, I can play uh, Elvis Brothers Hollywood pal. kid. Why not? Kid, you know. I mean, he's old at this point. We're all old at this point. None of us are kids at this point. Right? Seth Green may be younger than me, but he's still not a fucking kid. No. And yet, this movie pulls together all the elements. It doesn't care. Fearless. No. Yeah. It is fearless. Well, it's got the power of God. Here's Seth stealing his dad's car, which must be difficult when you're 38. <laughs> but he looks young. He's got that young energy. Yeah, for sure. And boy, does he bring it. He's really uh, selling. He's having fun. Really selling. You know? Really selling that fun. Oh, no. He almost hit his dad in the car. Did this movie come out in, like, the theater? Uh, I just read today that they pulled it after uh, a, a three weeks. And I was thinking, this lasted three weeks in a theater? What theater? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Damn. Hey, all these people worked, as you're always reminding me, uh, very, very rightly. All these people had a job. They had a gig. They did it. Yeah. And the kid playing young Elvis's brother isn't dancing like Elvis at the black nightclubs when he goes. No. And he doesn't seem to have any relationship, even a speaking relationship, with any black people in this movie. N neither did Elvis, you know, particularly. Right. Uh, uh, Elvis's band was famously uh, pretty white. There's a whole lot about history. That we don't know. Uh, Corey and I watched uh, the other night uh, the Good Shepherd, which is the uh, Robert De Niro directed uh, history of the formation of the CIA. Uh, oh, is that it, with Clooney? With uh, no, no. If that would be nice, it's uh, <clears throat> poor, poor little. And I say this advisedly because he's one of the biggest fucking movie stars in the world. Uh, but I, of course, I can't remember his name. The uh, the Robert Ludlum books where he runs and jumps and he fights. Matt Damon. Matt Damon is uh, this this guy, this Ivy League guy that gets recruited to be the uh, in the CIA by essentially the Skull and Bones Club. He joins Skull and Bones and then he then he gets gets into the. Uh, oh, you know, I think I saw this and. You know, it's another one of these movies that's got so much good stuff in it that you're just sorry that there's got so much bad stuff in it. You know, it's got this great cast, <laughs> yeah. mostly overacting. It's got a great, you know, Totoro shows up. They don't do anything with him. All this fucking, you know, uh, uh, potential that doesn't really pay off ever. Uh, and after we watched the movie, Corey said, well, you know what? I, I got the history. And I opened my mouth to say... This isn't the history of the formation of the CIA. The CIA was actually formed out of the old OSS, and that was part of the Lend-Lease Agreement, you know, from the British. 
Yeah. And I shut up and I said, yeah, it probably wasn't terribly different from, from this, you know. Uh, De Niro shows up in, in, in scenes uh, spaced throughout the movie and he's got diabetes. He's the head, the shadowy head of the... He never stands up. He's always in a chair in the corner in the dark with a glass of whiskey playing one of these waspy white guys and saying, you know, overtly, we're not going to have too many Catholics, no Jews, no Negroes. This is a, you know, white organization. And, and yet it's De Niro, you know, again, insisting he can play an Irishman. <laughs> Which, Why? Why? Someone needs to talk to him. Hey, you know what? And it's a well-directed movie in so many ways. In so many ways. The script uh, isn't perfect. A lot of the dialogue is very obvious and glib. But this is where a lot of us Americans, we get our sense of history, is these, these movies like Exodus, which tells, uh, very, tells the story of how Paul Newman formed the state of Israel. You know, uh-huh. this, is, this is not history. <laughs> this is uh, a story. And sure. you watch it and then you go, OK, well, uh, next time you hear about the formation of Israel, you picture Salminio and Paul Newman, and Salminio dies. That's what you picture. That was the formation state of Israel, 1948. Fucking poor Salminio gave his life, but Paul Newman really got us there. Um, and here's the racist <clears throat> cops who come in to raid the nightclub, which is clearly uh, uh, a soundstage. You know, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. And there's miscegenation. Oh boy! The white guy is playing drums in a black club. Seth Green, Seth acting Gr- in his shoes, <laughs> acting in his hair, bringing it. Before the racist cop showed up, I think it's worth noting. Like one of the biggest problems with this is the music combined with our Elvis. He really doesn't like <laughs> seem to enjoy being uh, Elvis. Which is very it's, awkward. It's all of his Elvis moves are, they feel, what's the word? They feel obligatory. You know, he did the oh, thing with the microphone, yeah. and it just looked, he, he's not having any fun. I gotta say, uh, it seems to be a uh, part of the story of this picture, that that guy whose name is Blake something, he's got a great, great stage name, this guy who's playing young Elvis's brother, uh, Blake something. And his Facebook page, uh, not his Facebook page, his... Uh, IMDb? I, uh, Wikipedia page. Wikipedia. Has been deleted. Really? Uh, and since the last time I looked at it, he, he was he, the real. This guy's a real Elvis impersonator, uh-huh. and that got hired for the movie because they saw him doing Elvis somewhere, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, got picked to be in a movie with all these movie stars and be the star of it and play Elvis, which is what he does for a living anyway, or at least for fun. He's a guy who plays Elvis, and <sighs> this movie got such negative. Uh, feedback uh that uh it's not even clear that he does elvis impersonation anymore really yeah and i i feel that this is fucked up because the guy may not be a real effective emoter you know not one of my favorite actors after this performance but i hate to think that he doesn't get to do his elvis impersonations anymore because he's 
He's probably better than this movie makes him look. Everybody is oh, better than this I, I movie. Am at, well, the the music sucks, so that might be part of the problem. I mean, I would hate it too, right? I mean, if you had to act like Elvis in front of this 90s pop shit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It might, I, might hurt your feelings. <clears throat> I mean, he needs to take some classes, uh, but nobody should be... Um, it's just sad if he he's was so depressed about it. I hate to think that eight years later, later, it's uh, it, it, it's still haunting uh, him. Because it kind of reminds me of the Jar Jar Binks thing. Yeah, I saw that guy tell the Jar Jar Binks story at a, one of these storytelling nights. Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it was great. He, yeah, it, it, you know, just the ups and downs and the horror. You know the. The, he said the up of being cast in a major part in the in the Star Wars yeah. thing was nothing compared to the down of what happened afterwards. He he said I was so excited about being in Star Wars that I had no idea that there were depths to which you could sink that would make Star Wars seem like nothing, like trivial in your life compared to you know the hate that he engendered for having played this character. In motion cap, it wasn't even his fucking fault, really. It, right, it was right. barely him. It was George Lucas's fucking fault. But yeah, it seems to have uh, seems to have uh, made an impression on the rest of his uh, life. Well, yeah, and he was suicidal and everything. I met him once. Nice guy. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. Well spoken. Yeah, he told that story like a motherfucker. Uh, I, di- I didn't get a chance to meet him. Well, I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, he's a good actor. It's uh, the characterization that he was saddled with was, you know, he fucking did his absolute best. And you try to think about this when you see somebody give a terrible performance in a movie or a TV show. You think, well, there was some, you know, you've been under the under the gun of some director who made rules for you. There's nothing you can do. Some producer, you know, I mean, I've tried to act with two different producers each in, in in one of the different cans on my head. You know, there's a different producer in each year, and you're trying to do the fucking gig. Very hard. Yeah. Very hard. And and this is this is not always an easy gig. Well, so. I, I something tells me like a faith based uh, movie production is is a very uh, uh, controlled environment. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I could consider why. Why so? Because I can see it going the other way, conceivably. No, I mean, it's just like growing up Catholic, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's like that. every time there was any kind of function, it was very... Okay. You know, like we, it, like if you do, if you join the chorus, you know, yeah. the, the choir, rather. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> the way they demand you sound joyful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. forced joy and yeah. it... And maybe that's yeah. part of this guy's problem and this movie's problem is nobody is really allowed to have genuine fun. I mean, Seth Green doesn't give a shit because he's a star already, so he can have fun with <sighs> that's it. That's a great. That's a great insight. That's that's nice. In uh, Mommy Dearest, uh, the the kid has the line, you know, "I love you, Mommy Dearest," and Faye Dunaway gets to say, "I wanted you to mean it." <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the line, but fuck, you know. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I wanted you same to mean it. thing. And, yeah, and this th- that frightens me, and that always sort of weirded me out about the my early religious experiences were 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 basically drowned in that kind of that kind of uh, uh, takeaway. Because in my house, 
for better or worse, and often worse, uh, everybody was very genuine all the time. Everybody was real emotionally available, and there was a lot of, uh, here's how I feel from everybody all the time, which was, yeah, which is not an institutional attitude. You know, it's not, not the kind of attitude that you bring to church or school or, or, right. or work or this kind of thing. So this is the scene. Another thing I love about a bad movie is that a lot of the plot seems to center on the, the, the scenes they choose to show rather are often the most random fucking, why would you choose this of all the dramatic? I mean, this is basically a biopic of Elvis's not quite dead brother, right? Who's, who's an Elvis impersonator, and the scenes that they choose to show with him don't matter. They're random. Oh, here he is in a pickup. Oh, here he is delivering stuff. I guess he's got a job now. Oh, what you know? And it's uh, weird. I find it. I find it very strange that Ray Liotta and Ashley Judd apparently are fine with their 35-year-old son downstairs keeping them awake all night playing the same 45 of Elvis <laughs> all night. He used to be real strict, Yeah, this dad. Apparently not so much anymore with the kid making the noises. Yeah, well... Speaking I... of Faye Dunaway, have you ever seen a movie called Voyage of the Damned? Yes. Boy, that's another one we... <clears throat> You know, if if one of us is very bad, the other one will pick that. For <laughs> one, one I have our, seen one that. That's not very good. I'm watching. Did for, you see him hook his head? Yeah. Uh, young Elvis banged his, his head, head on this on the uh, the the hood hook of this uh, ancient Plymouth. And Ray Liotta, the actor, actually reached up and and touched and his head, touched his head to Fatherly. make sure he was okay because he fucking hooked it. Liotta, Liotta, just bringing it all the time, fucking all a. presence, just so good. And you see him in an interview, he's like he's going to kill you. He's like he's going to kill the person he interviewing He seems them. crazy. He seems crazy. If you've ever dangerous. seen his quitting smoking ads. Oh, God, no. It, like, those are my favorite. Oh, I'm going to look this up immediately. Yeah, look up his quitting smoking. Really? It's for like a, like an antidepressant for quitting smoking, oh, okay. I think. Okay. Um, they're great commercial wow. but he's like genuinely scary and it, he like teeters between scary and also like concerning you know uh-huh, like, like uh-huh. bruce willis yeah, yeah, does yeah. everything <laughs> <laughs> you, feel, you feel like a a, a paternal not uh, well, you, you feel concerned when you see bruce willis you're like oh oh sit down that kind of concern <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Oh, oh honey honey take it easy I mean, Cosmic Sin is only one of seven movies that came out last I thought he seemed fine in that movie. He was a little dissociated. People were all mad at the Razzies, saying, maybe the Razzies is too mean-spirited because (laughs) they came up with a brand-new award for specifically for Bruce Willis, where it's worst Bruce Willis performance by Bruce Willis in a Bruce Willis movie. (laughs) That's fucking funny. That's pretty funny. All these I like how Joey Pants enters wearing two pairs of pants. Do you notice that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's so much about... But this is another good example, actually. Like, this, So this came out in like 2014. Uh-huh. As far as I knew, Joey Pants didn't work. And here he shows up in this randomly. And then the last time I saw him was in the last Bad Boys movie. But that was the yeah. first time I'd seen him in a movie in at least a decade. Maybe, maybe he was sick. Maybe he was. Uh, I wonder if he like tired. Maybe he was. You know, decided to raise a fucking family of gerbils. Nobody knows. You know. Well, I mean, and maybe you know, like he 
was in a lot of hugely successful box office movies. And after The Matrix, he was like, fuck, I don't need to work. And he just chilled out. And then he probably, because he's Joey Pants and he likes to act, you know, was like, oh, my Christian buddies are making this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I, I hate, I honestly do, uh, my prejudices. Like, you don't like Joe Pantoliano. I never liked his acting, no. Uh, uh, he, he seems a little bit of a cliche, and he seems to go to the facile choices a lot, and that's why he's hired. It's not his fucking fault. In The Matrix, when he plays this, uh, and everything else, where he plays this uh, uh, Brooklyn or New Jersey sort of wise guy, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, you know, it's not his fault most of the time. He's probably told to do that. I don't know if he has any other skill sets. I've seen him play other characters. He plays them a lot like he plays this, but... Uh, I, no, he's not a, not a soothing presence in a, in a picture for me. Not something that makes me go, oh, good. See, I always enjoy him. Like in Midnight Run, he is funny, and uh, I think he's kind of funny. He's fine. He's fine. I, 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 I don't, uh, you know, he's not one of the guys that makes me go, oh, good, good. He's, 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 <laughs> See, but for me, I actually do get excited. Right, right. Joe. Oh, Joey Pants is in it? That's, cool. That's, that's, I get it, though. Uh, it's, uh, we all have our... I have this with Robert Ryan, okay? The old uh, 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 40s, uh, 50s uh, heavy. He often played a bad guy. He sometimes plays a good guy. Uh, uh, I'm a fan of this guy because he's scary in all these film noir that I like. You know, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a great threat. He's great heavy. In real life, he was... Uh, uh, the heavyweight boxing champion of the fucking marines or some shit like you know uh, he's uh, uh, a very serious screen presence can't act can't act <laughs> uh, he formed the, he's super liberal uh, very progressive uh, in the 50s and so you know very anti uh, red baiting anti McCarthy formed one of the best uh, high schools in the valley uh, the Oakwood school is his, his creation oh really uh, yeah he's a big a good guy Good guy. Scary, you know, tough guy, liberal, you know, my, my, my fantasy fucking father figure, basically. Uh, tall, good-looking, uh, you know, uh, capable, successful. Can't act. Can't really act very well. <laughs> but do you like... But even though he's not a good actor, do you enjoy when, watching him? When I see that he's in a picture, it's like a... It's, that's, that's as big a plus as if fucking... As, as anything I can think of. And yet, I don't enjoy his performances. I watch his movies a little bit cringing to think, ah, he could be better. Oh, fuck, that's not even... <laughs> fuck, man, Bogart was better than that. Bogart's not a good actor. You know, most of these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're successful for their, for their ability to, to persuade you with their presence rather than their moment-to-moment Well, acting. that's what, like, I, you know, a lot of people lament the death of the movie star or whatever, but, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's almost like movie stars now have to be able to act more. They, they really they wind up needing more range a little bit yeah. and and the old school movie stars george clooney is actually a great example because he mm-hmm. does it's always enjoyable yeah because it's breezy and yeah. he's and he's yeah. easy and, yeah. and natural sounding yeah. but it's always the same yeah. yeah you know that's why he didn't bother having yeah. a gloucester accent in the perfect storm that right. just would have been right. uh, distracting and yeah. he probably couldn't do it yeah um i mean i freely admit to sucking at accents you know a man's got no, to know it's his limitations. It's, a, it's a specialty it really is you know and these fucking english guys that play 35 different characters you can't recognize them 
in in various movies, you know, they're playing a fucking Frenchman, they're playing a cowboy. They're... Yeah, well, it depends on the English. I mean, I think sure, yeah. I think a, a large portion of our British uh, imports suck. Hey, this work. is a great opportunity to talk about Power of the Dog. Oh boy, what okay, a piece yeah, of tell shit. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, Jane. No, no, no. Uh, I, really... I didn't like it either. Uh, now, did you... Th- was your major problem with it... My major problem with it uh, is is not that it goes nowhere and it kind of goes in circles and it's boring. Those things I can handle. I like boring, as you know very <laughs> yeah, well. You love I, a good I like slog. A dull, dull slog. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is fucking horrible in this movie. <laughs> He's pretty bad. And I like him. No, I and like him Every too. time you see that picture in the pay on the you know the side uh, of your uh, newsfeed online, there's that picture of him looking over his shoulder. He's wearing that hat. <laughs> and he's smoldering at you. you know, he just looks like, and it, 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 no, he's completely non-credible as this fucking tough guy character. Not that he couldn't be a tough guy, but that his acting is not very good. And it's kind of it's 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 over the top and smug about itself. Mm-hmm. Now that's also the character he's playing. And my, my, my conclusion is that he's not a good enough actor to get over the hump of, okay, I'm a smug actor playing a smug actor. <laughs> hmm. You know, I got to do some adjustment for that. I freely admit, you know, I, I couldn't do it. I was not, never a complex enough actor to do such a thing. It would require a lot. Yeah. Uh, it would require more than Benedict Cumberbatch brought to the to the circumstance what was your problem with the picture oh well those other things you said wouldn't be a problem for you <laughs> like I, 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 I remember I, I, I watched it uh, when we were waylaid in New York mm. over the holiday yeah, right. and I was kind of excited to watch it me too uh, because you know Jane yeah and, and and the and you know the trailers it was like looked like an old western you know with the sweeping beautiful shots mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the and the cast is you know uh interesting yeah i like jesse plemons and yeah, all, all them very interesting uh and what and what's her face i like so yeah i was excited to see it. and also you know it was sort of sold as a western uh-huh. so i thought there might be you know the no. kind of, the kind of western elements i like no. but they're not and whatever, so I guess it was a drama, but even a drama needs some level of tension that, like, that maintains no. the running time. And it was, it was, I, it was a, such a slow burn that the light just went out. <laughs> like, 35 minutes into the movie. Like I, I like like for the first thirty five, oh, I think beautiful. I was I was coasting off the excitement. Uh, okay, I'm seeing this. Uh, you know, I'm with my family. We're uh, stuck here in New York with uh, my wife's aunt. Uh, Isn't this fun? You know, cool and you know and uh, and boy oh boy. And like thirty five minutes in, it, it, like I started thinking, wait wait a second. Mm-hmm. I don't where why are we what what is happening? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing is happening. Yeah. And then and then right at the end, I I I actually. When I saw it, I was like, actually, pacing-wise, it reminds me very much of the new Dune movie. Mm. In that you're hanging out with these characters, Uh they're sort of talking Uh in circles, going round and round, and then right at the end, something crazy happens. (laughs) And you're like, oh, there's a movie, and then it's over. Yeah. And and, uh, that's what The Power of the Dog was. I don't get why people are... uh, there's a thing as a writer that freaks me out is the is the idea that I you know I type whatever 300 pages and uh, there's an event right there's a climactic event and my fear is 
that there should have been about 25 of those. You know? Oh, oh or like throughout six the... Or eight, you know? And, and a lot of stories, and I have this huge issue with all the fucking miniseries, uh, whatever they call them, these limited fucking garbage things, where, you know, somebody shows up to an HBO executive with a two-hour movie script, and they say, great, add eight hours and you can have a show. Right. You know, and then there's all this fucking stretched out, you know, garbage. Padding. My uh, unpopular opinion is you just basically described The Sopranos after season one. Ah. Uh, uh-huh. As much as people love it. I was. <laughs> I feel that way about most of the TV shows I've ever seen in my life. You know, <laughs> fucking. Uh, 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 it's, it's funny. I watch a lot of these old shows on YouTube now and the various. Uh, methods these these 50s and 60s tv shows that were like episodic and and then a lot of these shows that were uh what do you call them more like uh what's the word with like like a twilight zone or something an oh, anthology, uh, anthology series, series or, yeah, or sure. a, a new new story every week new characters and if you wanted to say okay i've got los angeles i've got the advantage of uh you know 30,000 working writers, right? So so can I come up with a brand new story every week that has new characters in it and, and new stuff? Absolutely, I can if I want to. And so you get something like the Craft uh, Thriller Theater or whatever that ran under various names for like 25 years uh, uh, on various networks. And you can tune into any of these fucking, you know, there's like 500 episodes available on YouTube. You can tune into any of these fucking episodes and you're gripped Within a few minutes. Now there might be dated uh, uh, dialogue. There might be dated plot lines. There might be dated casting. It's like who the fuck acts like that? What are you doing? You know, whatever. Right. right. But is it a story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that makes sense? And all the fucking things that happen actually matter toward the plot and toward that climax? Yeah, pretty much. And can you see that in any of the episodes of White Lotus? Oh, no, well, I no. don't watch. There White isn't Lotus. any. Have you, can you see that within any of the individual episodes of, of most of the shows that Nicole Kidman or any of the other Fox oh. blonde looking ladies that HBO loves to put on these giant fucking 10 hour series that have two hours worth of content? Uh, it's now, I haven't garbage. watched, I, I, do, I don't watch those Nicole Kidman shows. I'm not into that sort of prestige TV stuff. But I am tempted to watch the Michael Keaton Mini series. Oh yeah, didn't he do one about the drugs? Pharmaceutical, yeah. uh, the opiate thing. Yeah, we don't have the Hulu. I guess we'd have to get the Hulu. We canceled everything else. We got rid of uh, Netflix. We got rid of Prime. We're down to HBO, and uh, we pay for the no commercial YouTube. So that feels like a thing. And I watch so many old movies. There's a you know, yeah. it, YouTube seems to be taking almost all my my streaming time in the last couple of months. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. And a lot of the new content, like, somebody just told me I need to watch the Ricky Gervais thing where his wife dies, which is, oh, which is I guess, only on Netflix now. <sighs> you know, Richard, Ricky Gervais lost me with that uh, Warwick Davis show. What was that? Actually, he lost me in the second season of Extras, really. I thought that was Extra. What was the one with Warwick Davis? Life is short, or uh, something like that. It, 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 it was a, you know, uh, like a, a reality, you know, his mockumentary thing. Uh, 
Uh, but it was about, about a dwarf. Warwick Davis was playing himself, and it's about Warwick Davis's acting career. All right, and it got me to watch it because there's a very funny scene where, like, uh, Ricky Gervais and and uh, Stephen Merchant play Warwick Davis's representatives. Okay, in in the show. So in this one, and you know, every Stephen Merchant plays uh, the. He's an actor. I thought he isn't Stephen Merchant the guy who. Runs. He's a showrunner, isn't he? It, yes, but he's also an actor. I did not know that. He's in. Uh, did you ever see uh, Hot Fuzz, the Edgar Wright movie? Yeah, no, okay. but I know of it. Yeah. Like he, like he shows up in comedic roles. Okay, he actually had a great. series. I didn't really like it, but it was an HBO series about him being single and stuff. He's he's funny, and in, okay. I like Stephen Merchant. He's fun. Um, um, in just, any event, to, he, him and Gervais are Warwick Davis's reps. Okay. And Warwick Davis is in a meeting, and Liam Neeson, who is also repped by them, sort of barges mm-hmm. in and interrupts their meeting because he passionately <laughs> wants to try something new in his career. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, oh, I would like to try uh, comedy. You know, it's Liam Neeson. He's like <laughs> fucking stone face, and they're both like, "Ah!" He's like, and, and then he, he like wants to do an improvisation, and he's so dour. And they're like, "Okay," uh, Ricky Gervais is like, "Okay, uh, um, we're in a doctor's office. I'm a I'm a doctor. You're the patient. You come in." And then, like he comes in, and he just looks at. He's just, like devastated. He's like, "I have full blown AIDS." That's how he starts the. <laughs> And Ricky Gervais doesn't know what to do. So it's this whole thing where Liam Neeson's really bad at... at uh, and he always finds it's like, even when Ricky Gervais is like, well, wait, how long? Like, let's try to steer away from that. Like, he'll always yeah. find his way back to, I'm dying of AIDS. <laughs> it's, uh, it was really funny. Uh, so I'm like cry laughing at that so I watched the show and, and that was it <laughs> that was that, that, was, that was the, the one thing. thing there was even an episode with Johnny Depp where I was like and this is before you know before yeah, we yeah, knew yeah, what yeah. we knew about Johnny Depp where he's coming in kind of wait what do we know about Johnny Depp is Johnny Depp a bad guy I thought he just had a bad divorce well I mean it's uh, there's a lot of uh, abuse accusations she's shit in his bed he throws wine bottles <laughs> I, I, I oh I know. I don't pretend to understand I, what's uh, going on behind the door, but he's 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 uh, you know of their relationship. No, he's in the shitter now. He just got a gig. He finally got a, a gig after like a year or something. I read. Oh, okay. And he's working in uh, something. Good, good for Johnny Depp. Um, in any event, his episode wasn't fun. It just wasn't a funny show. Well, uh, I personally have no interest in uh, watching Ricky Gervais do anything except make fun of rich people because I think he does that real good. And I'm, I'm, uh, the watching the highlights of his parts of the Golden Globes or whatever the fuck is the thing is that he does, uh, uh, those are great. And that's as much Ricky Gervais as I really need. Well, he ain't doing that anymore. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, uh, people tell you to watch things, and I, I, I go, okay. Uh, and then I don't for the most part, you know? And then I think sometimes, well, maybe I should. Maybe this will be life changing, you know? Shit, we've seen things. You've had this experience where you look at something and you go, "Oh fuck, I'm never going to be the same." Right. That's going to affect everything I do. It's going to affect. It's going to color how I how I view and and intake the through the carburetor of life. You know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna process things differently. That's what you hope for from a movie, it's unless it's like a Marvel movie. Did, did you guys watch that um, search party? 
Oh, no, no, no. Is that good? That's with Ron Livingston? No. no. It's uh, the uh, Aaliyah Shawkat. Aaliyah Shawkat. She was the cousin that Michael Sarah isn't supposed to be attracted to in uh, in uh, Arrested Development, or is she? Oh, not? oh, yeah, or yeah, is yeah. She not. See, oh. I, I I get everybody wrong. I think Michael Sarah is uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg, a lot of the times. So. Who you think is Jay Baruchel? Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> I don't think that Jay Baruchel has dark eyebrows. <laughs> I know the difference uh, there. But anyway, uh, she uh, and her fucking this girl and her uh, a bunch of hipsters uh, follow their friend down a rabbit hole of our friend is missing, and it's not really their friend. It's a friend from college which was 10 years ago. And they're like, ah, oh, this girl went missing and there's posters on the posts, you know. And, and, and so they get drawn into this fucking solving this mystery, which turns out not to be much of a mystery. And then it becomes a murder. It becomes a real murder. Oh. And it's one of these, you know, things get worse type scenarios. I see. And we watched the first four seasons of this fucking thing. Three seasons or whatever. I don't know how many it is now. I was elevated by the watching of this show, my spirit, soul, my ability to be happy, my ability to be unhappy, I was so triggered, so uh, released or something by this show that Corey and I had the biggest fight that we've ever had and I had to spend the night at the friend's house. So, like, it was fucking, it was bad. It was so dramatic. The show? The show. Uh, and we, we fought about something else. I mean, we... we uh, but, you, but you think the show infected the show you... infected us both. We both got so giddy and so high from watching this show and enjoying it so much. And we were enjoying it like... like uh, For me, it was almost an out-of-body experience. Really? I, I've rarely experienced such a... And, you know, the place I was in life, the you know where it was that day, what was going on, I don't... Sunrise surfing is the worst fucking... <laughs> Not Elvis, Elvis song. This is a is bad, awful. bad, bad movie, Sunrise Surfing. That's sorry, really sorry bad. I interrupted. No, I'm glad you pointed it out because among all the shitty music in this, that's one of the only ones that sounds like it's even trying to sound like an Elvis song. And it's a fail. And it's a fucking big fail. <laughs> Huge fail. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Now I want to watch that show. Here's but the, you think you, st- you got in a fight because we, the, I was, the show made you high and you guys came down too hard. No. It was in the middle of the fucking show. In the middle, I still haven't finished that season. We both started. We had this fight that I'm totally willing to own it. I went fucking nuts, and I started talking, and we didn't like the way we each other were talking or something, and it became this huge blowout. It really? Was, yeah. Uh, you know how it goes. You know, sometimes sure, sure. it comes from nothing. Yeah. And this true. one, this one came out of this fucking uh, nothing. It wasn't even about the TV show. I mean, I think I was trying to make a point about the TV show, and I think I put the TV show on pause. Oh. Is how the fight really started. Oh, and, she and I wasn't wanna... supposed to put the show on pause, and I wanted to make an observation that was so relevant to life and everything that was going on with us. And the the show had had allowed me to have this this revelation. It was a big fucking deal. Now I haven't returned to the show. But I'll tell you, sitting there for those two days or whatever, or maybe one day of you know a, a ten hours. I mean, we watched many episodes, half hour episodes. Every friend that you have in the world is a 
fucking duplicitous cunt piece of shit, which is another thing that I love. It's an element that I love about comedies is when you can depend on nobody uh-huh. except yourself uh-huh. and you're fucking helpless. Uh-huh. You know? I love that as a comic premise and that's basically the, one of the basic premises of this, of this picture. The casting is astonishing. Uh, these people are so good and the writing is so fucking good. And it's so harsh. It's such a brutal, ugly, miserable fucking world in these candy colors. And everybody's really cheerful all the time, except you. You're miserable because you're Aaliyah Shawcat. She's fucking, as, as the, I don't even know what you call that character. She's not really, she's not really the straight man. She's just the center the, you know, the, of this, of this in, insane uh, kind of world that, that uh, buzzes around her. She's just, she's just fucking nails everything about this part and i was set loose i lost my fucking mind like we had such a fight because i was on such a different trip than where Corey was from watching this show and we were both super enthusiastic after the first episode of this thing we were both like ah more 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 and we had that kind of kind of experience where you pack it in you know you can't help but uh and then i i I just spun i spun off it was like a wheel came off the car or something (laughs) I was that goddamn. That's weird. really crazy. Um, now here we are at minute whatever one hundred, and the Elvis impersonator brother decides to be an Elvis impersonator. And I feel like if if uh, I don't know if if one of the guys that wrote uh, the let's say they got one of the screenwriters from the Marvel comics universe. What that, this would this scene would have taken place about five minutes into the movie, yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe ten. That that the Elvis impersonator brother decides he's an Elvis impersonator and starts to find his calling. But this movie's been on for fucking an six, hour. six days at this point. Yeah, I can't take it. And Seth Green in that fucking wig, I love it so much. That's a great wig. Yeah. And they put it on well. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like, wigs like that will come up in the back. They get, yep. make your head look weird. Yep. That one's fucking on there. Uh, that's an exciting moment from this film is uh, the wig. Um, wig work. You know, here's my question about this scene, though. Uh-huh. So it starts, you get two uh, auditions for Elvis impersonators. Uh-huh. And they're nothing yep. like Elvis. I mean, they're ludicrously yep. bad. Could yeah. they not find... Some actual Elvis impersonators to do like a less than. No, are you talking about this guy uh, the, who's playing Elvis's uh, brother, or are you? No, talking no, I'm about talking about guys? like the other guys yeah. instead of being the ludicrous, ludicrously bad camp tastic. Okay, here's another one of my favorite elements of a bad movie. Here's how I know I'm watching a championship bad movie: is I can't tell where they think the comedy is. <laughs> do they think those two guys are funny? Well, they didn't direct it that way. They no. didn't edit it that way. It's not... And this is another thing about comedy, right? If you're going to make a, a drama with comedic elements that also has a lot of music in it, you got to hire an editor who understands both comedy and music. Yeah, that's true. And this thing feels like it was edited by a fucking software program. <laughs> you know? It just, there's no soul. There's no uh, idea of continuity, of... of uh, of thought, of, 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 of emotion, uh, of sound, even. Shit just abruptly stops. And look at that. Look at that. Between the scene where they're having in the diner uh, the boy and girl conversation about, I don't know if I should do this, 
There's just a fucking blackout before <laughs> the next scene starts. It just goes to black. And look at Leota all cross-armed, looking He's glum so fucking about good. He's so good. Awesome. Oh, and there's real Slash Elvis. I, I, I call him Slash Elvis because he, he looks more like Slash. He does he looks look like, like Elvis Slash. In his uh, Elvis persona here in the, I guess this is the late 60s, early 70s. I don't know. It's hard to tell because it's set in the south and things take longer down there, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But they got everybody, all the stars for this scene. Yeah, they did. This is an expensive day. <laughs> uh, good. See, Joey Pants. Joey Pants can nail a scene. There's nothing wrong with his abilities. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. <laughs> you just I'm said just you the wrong I don't way. really believe him, and I don't love his shtick. Is I that see. so bad? Is no, it so I'm bad? not. It's it everybody is. is. It's not bad. It's not generous of spirit. I, I got. It's not the normal. I mean, Joey Pants is sort of beloved. So I tell that's, you what. That Seth Green after this movie, one of my fucking serious big fucking favorites. Oh, I really like I will, seeing him. I will forever love Seth Green because of uh, his performance as an Amish man in the movie Sex Drive. Should I see this movie? Yes. All right. I can't believe you have not seen I've not Sex seen Drive. this movie. Sex Drive. I thought I told you. I, I swear I told you about this a long time ago. I bet you did, man. I smoke a lot of marijuana. And I didn't smoke as much today because I didn't want to go... <laughs> well, you're telling a story about being on set and you know William Devane, you know, hitting you in the head with a bottle or something. And I'm I over wish here. I had a story about Devane hitting me in the head with a bottle. I never got to work with that fool. I sound like a fucking emphysema patient who's literally right now plugged into a fucking breathing apparatus. And I'm just a 50 year old guy with glass lungs that likes to smoke on on the mic. And you know what? No more because I sound retired. Here's the other thing. The uh, 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 and I do that more when I'm high. Is that Adam Ant? Oh, I thought the guy before this guy, I thought was uh, the the guy who invented the Umbrella Corporation, the the head scientist who who made Raccoon City in the Resident Evil movies? in the Resident Evil movies. Uh, Ian Ian he has a weird yeah I know weird spelling about. of Ian uh, Glenn yeah. Ian Glenn. And I don't think it was, but but he sure looked like him. Now, that guy, this looks a lot like Scott Cherney, a fat Scott Cherney, who's one of the only people listening to this. Oh, oh our, okay. Our friend Scott. Uh, the MC, Scott, at the uh, Elvis-alike, uh, the Dream Finals, I think, I think uh, this guy, it, it was just your birthday, too, so happy birthday. Uh, you look like a skinny version of the MC for the uh, Almost Elvis contest <laughs> thanks for listening see this is Elvisy. in a way this has a, a little bit of an elvis thing look elvis starts masturbating that's my favorite part <laughs> elvis is in the audience in the judge's uh, booth and he actually moves his hand toward his crotch <laughs> as his brother starts doing an elvis impersonation and it's kind of sexy <laughs> I'm saying the whole thing. It's a sexy, sexy little makeout song, and we get these sweeping shots of his parents and his wife and Elvis's face. It, it's it, look at him. His breathing is starting to quicken. There's a sexual response going on, and it's kind of, 
it's kind of a fucking six-way between Ashley Judd, the kid playing Elvis's dead brother, the kid playing Elvis, and uh, the uh, Ray Liotta shows up in pants at some point in this sh- in this scene. And I find it, sec- yeah, the sexual tension. Look, he's having a, a, a physical crisis watching his son sing. He's almost nutting in his little conservative trousers. Is he is he having a crisis because he can't stand it, or is he actually weeping because he likes it? No, everybody's getting the big Elvis D all the way from the stage, and it's not even Elvis. It's Elvis's not-dead brother. It's crazy. I, here's what I don't kind of believe. This guy was a professional Elvis impersonator, apparently, before he got cast in this movie. <sighs> this is fucked up. I don't want to say this shit. I have no ill will toward any of these people. <laughs> but his moves aren't very good. That's a good. The, he, the one what he does with his hand uh, is, some, is sometimes good. His voice is not, not terribly far off. I mean, is he, is he as good as Elvis? No, of course not. Is, is he bad? All the music in this is bad, and most of it has nothing to do with him. No, that's right? not his fault. The music and is the bad, fact and he does song, have a good Elvis voice. And this song ter- goes from starting kind of like a, a 60s Elvis song, and it goes into being kind of a... This reminds me of one of those things that would be on the, the Fresh Jazz Station, you know, with... Uh, <laughs> who is it? Andreas Vollenweider. Yeah. Or uh, uh, who's the other guy everybody makes fun of? Yanni. I don't think Yanni's that funny. A lot of middle-aged women got a lot of pleasure out of Yanni. I, I don't... Yeah. And Elvis is the only... Real Elvis is the only one who could stand up with cum in his pants and actually bring his hands together for this Elvis impersonator. I don't understand that. Because everybody in the room was touched, right? But yeah, everybody I, else was embarrassed because they had a big stain on their trousers. Oh, and Ray Liotta had to leave because he's got a stain on his trousers. <laughs> everybody in this room just came. <laughs> and he doesn't even meet him. You know why? Because that would fuck up kind of the end of the movie a little bit. Right. Why wouldn't he stick around and meet this fucking kid? I don't know. That made him come in his leather trousers. He won $25,000. Wow. $25,000. That was a lot of money back then, whenever this was. Fucking lot of money now. Yeah, no shit. Where I sit. You know what I would have to do to earn $25,000? <laughs> I would have to impersonate Elvis. That's about as close as I can come. Oh, and this creepy little character. Yeah. He, he turns into the bad guy... As I remember, in the fourth hour of the picture. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm amazed that he's coming in this early. Yeah, Monday. It's actually Monday that he means. When he says, come to my office Monday, he means the Monday after you see this movie. <laughs> because the movie will still be on. It'll still be going. And you'll have to excuse yourself from the theater and, and go to the meeting. Oh, right. This is the guy who won't uh, let him play his own songs. He won't let him stop playing Elvis. He doesn't want him to play his own music. See, this is is where the movie departs from reality enough that the metaphor stops working for me. Like the joke about, oh, what if Elvis' brother lived, stops when he starts playing his own music. Because Elvis' brother, don't you feel that, like, like, logically, dramatically, Elvis' brother maybe shouldn't be a musician? Maybe he should be a preacher. 
or, yeah. or some other thing that requires charisma and and uh, you know maybe he's a dancer or maybe you know he doesn't have charisma because not everybody from the family is going to have charisma. Ray Liotta, just, Ray Liotta has charisma, but he's not blood. He could be a, it'd be a more interesting story. Would be Elvis's brother lived. He's a high school janitor, and that's it. Bang. <laughs> That's bang. <laughs> Flight attendant, you know. Uh, yeah, he's just high school science teacher that everybody makes fun of. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, him being a uh Yeah, what how does this sound like an Elvis song in any way? I don't know. I guess it's just you know, it's funny. Sometimes you listen to a Metallica song and it just sounds like a country song to you. You can hear. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you listen to a song you've heard a bunch and then all of a sudden you can pick out the structure and what's structure and what's window dressing and you realize this is just a fucking old, this is just an old blues song or this is just oh, an old sure, yeah, song yeah. or this is just an old uh, thing. Uh, these, uh, the way that they engineered and 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 uh recorded all the music in this it feels like they weren't thinking about the movie particularly when they made a lot of the music and i'm sure that's not true i'm sure they you know re-recorded a lot of these old songs that dad had in his pocket specifically tuned them for the movie and just got them wrong that's yeah i'd like to think that that's a kinder thought than oh they just used what it was lying around in their old catalog for a lot of the stuff uh, which is, well, that's a shitty thing to accuse somebody of, and I'm not <laughs> going to do it. I'm not going to say they did that. I'm going to say they just fucked up doing the right thing. Look at his costume. There's some uh, excellent featured extra work happening in this scene right? from the ladies. A lot the of the front. acting in this, very surprising. A lot Good. of them had crazy-ass faces. Yeah. But well, that's accurate. Yeah. The, those uh, screaming crazy. teens. Crazy. But, it like, he's, like getting the same reaction from teenage girls that actual Elvis is getting is, does that happen? Well, that's part of the story is that he apparently could have been Elvis because he's such a success as an Elvis impersonator. Uh, we don't see a lot of what Elvis's, uh, life is like in public, but we do see Elvis's not dead brother, the Elvis impersonator, and he's getting mobbed. Yeah. By fans. He's buying a big house. He apparently could have been, he was just as good, you know. He's the most successful Elvis personator uh, of all time. Apparently, because I don't know what it's like, honestly. I can't, I can't say you're right, because I don't know what it's like to go to an Elvis impersonator show. Maybe it's just like this. Maybe they fight you for your clothes. My friends, uh, r- r- like, go see this Elvis impersonator and have been going to see him for years. And as the years have gone by, he's like purposefully aging like Elvis. Mm, like, like he's that yeah, he's that dedicated fat and he's all tired from <laughs> drug abuse. <laughs> and that's a show. <laughs> that's a fucking dedicated impersonator. I like that. Uh, I like I like that too. And wasn't there a, a, I remember in New York People were always trying to get me to go see Elvis. But it was an Elvis impersonator doing reggae versions mm. of Led Zeppelin or something like that. Mm. Or, I, don't know. 
I could be getting that wrong. Dread Zeppelin or something? My my uh, my uncle turned me on to Dread Zeppelin. But uh, that wasn't an Elvis thing. Uh, as I recall, it was not. No. But there was something but, with Elvis and... Like, it was like a mashup of things, and the lead singer was Elvis. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, what's wrong with that? No, nothing. Uh, you know, it's, I just wasn't that into Elvis, so... I hear you. I used to watch a guy called Bingo Gazingo that did open mics all over the uh, Lower East Side, and he would always do the same number. Guy was about seventy-five, all skinny, had a hole in his sweater, and I, I don't know if that was part of the act. It was one of these, <laughs> one of these lower east, you know, uh, sure. downtown acts where you, you know, meta. You can't quite tell where the show starts. Sure. And this guy would sing this song, Madonna, Madonna, you stole my pants, <laughs> you fucking bitch. <laughs> and it was it was crazy. Bingo Gazingo. He was the the best show I saw repeatedly in New York. I saw better shows in New York, but I used to see him. Me all and the time. Uh, and and Falk and a couple other people who would come to my open mic nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all became obsessed with this one comic who was always you know at the open mic nights. I think he was touched, or you know, uh, uh, you know. Uh, but he the, like his act was so weird. Yeah. And he didn't, and it, I, I probably told you about this before, probably on this podcast, but it was like impossible to tell, like you're saying, it, it, was it meta? Yeah, yeah, Like yeah, where yeah. did the character yeah. that, that, this, yeah. that he was playing? And I talked to him at, and he was a weird dude, you know, but he used to do like, like it, it was all self-deprecating one-liner, like set up uh-huh. punchline, set up punchline. Uh-huh. Uh, that was it, uh, and it was all like self-deprecating. You know, I'm a loser thing. Like one of them, I, the one I remember the most is uh, 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 I. You know, I, I took karate class, and no one beat me up until after the class was over. Like he was, you know, from Brooklyn or whatever, so he had that accent, and no one would laugh because it's you know people would be like, what? And then he no no reaction, and what was really funny is he'd step away from the mic. And kind of go, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I love this. I love this. <laughs> and we just thought it was... Sometimes I would go if I knew he was there, even if I wasn't doing a set, because uh, it, I would have a laugh. There's nothing like a laugh when you need it. Yep. There's nothing as funny. Uh, I, I have this thing... Uh, I don't laugh enough. It's been a thing my whole life. Uh, I'm always pissed off or something. And uh, various teachers over the years have told me to smile. You know, and women tell you, you know, they get tired of somebody telling you to smile. Uh, it's true. Yeah. It's really true. And uh, I am often moved, I'm more often moved to tears or, or rage than, uh, than laughter. It's true. And so I seek out circumstances in which uh, You'll have a laugh. I'll have a laugh. And it turns out, uh, you know, there's a, there's a price for being a weird, creepy stoic, you know. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's that when you laugh, you sound 
like you're in the titty cut follies and you should be restrained <laughs> and somebody should be shaving you and you should never have use of your hands because this it is like dangerous. there's so many actors that i think of yeah like you just reminded me <laughs> you know actors who always play the glum frank grillo the glum frank grillo yeah. so when frank grillo has to act like he's happy uh-huh you know uh-huh. uh you know or Jason Statham or whatever, when they have to act happy, like especially if it's a revenge movie or whatever, and they're in love with their family, yeah, yeah, and then they yeah, have yeah. their family's all gonna die, <laughs> and they so they have that, or like, uh, you know, I like uh, exactly. uh, um, uh, uh, Wings's kid is like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I love yes, Cole yes, Hauser. Yes. I, I can watch Cole Hauser all anytime. But, it, you know, in Paparazzi, when he's in the first act of that thing, and he's got to be happy yeah, and yeah. in love, and he's got his kid, and it's great. It you, just looks like it You hurts. can see the wires. It's like in, in uh, Mr. Ed. You know, you can see the wires pulling their fucking lips up a little bit. And I have this thing, and then when I let go... I have this, uh, so I had this, uh, you know, my whole growing up, you know, you fucking dour, be charming, be be happy. And so I try. And when I go to comedies, uh, I'll sit in a theater and I'll laugh. This, okay, this is the company uh, that has the same name as uh, the production company in the, that actually made the movie, which is a weird, creepy meta thing to do. And the weird connection, the, the, this movie keeps trying to be uh, bring Christians and Jews together. It, I, so I wonder, is this movie made by Christians or is it made by Jews? Is it made by Christian Jews? Is it made by Jews, Jews, for, uh, Jesus. Jews for Jesus, right? Uh, that's the question. So now when I go to, uh, uh, to the theater, let's say I go see a play and it's funny and I'm laughing and I'll return. Mm-hmm. I'll, I, I buy multiple tickets for shows. Uh, if they work once, I'll, I'll come and see in the next see two weeks. Yeah, because uh, I like uh, I like the medication. Like that makes me happy. Fucking old women hate me at the theater. Why? Uh, because apparently I laugh too loud and too. Hyster- I sound like oh. I sound like I'm going to go hysterical and break something. <laughs> I sound like I'm about to start murdering people. It sounds, you certain- sound, you're like playing like the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's something unhinged and probably dangerous about the hysteria. There's an hysteria within me that I released, my inner hysteric, and it comes out, and, uh, and, and, I, uh, and it's, it's loud, you know, I'm sure. loud, so uh, it, it bothers people. And, and I've been, uh, and now I've got a girlfriend, uh, uh, Susan, the girlfriend before the girlfriend I have now, Susan had a, a funny and annoying laugh. I, I found it funny and annoying, and it was part of one of the joys of falling in love with her that I got over her laugh, right? <laughs> and Corey has a fucking... Uh, we went to see uh, Paula Poundstone, and uh, this uh, male couple that was sitting in front of us uh, uh, kept turning around and giving us uh, uh, ass looks, you know, dirt, dirty, dirty eye. Because of the way... Because of the way Corey was laughing. <laughs> And and I thought, oh, these thank fucking God! It isn't me this time, but it was me too. He, he, turned was a couple, he gave us a couple of looks too. Uh, it's that so were funny we get familiar. mad at people for laughing. Now I find it criminal, right? The people who get mad uh, uh, because uh, oh, you know, I get a note on the door about fucking. I was fucking too loud or something. Oh, My geez. kids heard you fuck. Well, good. Yeah, welcome good. to the world. Good. Now you get an opportunity. Hey, maybe now you can buy that detached property where you don't share a wall with somebody who fucks loud. Cunt. 
you know, so uh, we have these 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 things that we think are sacred about you know human behavior, right? For me, if my neighbor's playing his radio loud, I feel like that's pushing a line. If my neighbor's kids are playing hysterically loud and crashing into the wall and coming through it and destroying my property, fucking great. That's kids playing. I am all over that, and it's sacred. There's nothing you can do. If I hear my neighbors fucking, sure, it's annoying maybe after a while. But, you know, how long do people fuck? People don't fuck that long. No, they don't. Five, ten minutes, you know, 20 minutes of fucking. Well, Let's say they go for a marathon and it takes all night. Yeah. How often is that going to happen? No, they're going to they're gonna get sick of each other after a couple of it months. It's going to be over. But do you, do you fucking call them on it? Do you say, no. hey, that's really loud, you're fucking. Hey, when you were laughing, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, our friend Jeff uh, fucking uh, Ham had this. Uh, I remember uh, when he was dating Shannon, uh, uh, he got a note from or his neighbor said, yeah, and at like one in the morning, I could just hear this woman laughing. What? You know, okay, yep, you yeah. probably did. Oh, well. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, neighbor. That's really Sorry weird. you heard us laughing. So, yeah, I'm with you. I just feel like it's criminal. Andy, Andy and I, uh, when we were, you know, when we lived in New York, the people upstairs had like a like a marathon night. They were just, they uh-huh. would go at it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a cycle of, you know, the crescendo mm-hmm. of loud orgasm. Mm-hmm. And then it would be quiet, but you'd hear the murmuring mm-hmm. with each other, mm-hmm. and then it would sort of start again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very loud, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, I, it was right above my bedroom, so I couldn't sleep. So uh, Andy and I wound up just sitting with each other on my bed and listening, <laughs> and and we would applaud at the end of each <laughs> orgasm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's totally that's, fine. That's taking part. Yeah. You're, you're a community. Yeah, well you know, done. That's much better than leaving a fucking passive-aggressive note or stopping somebody in the hall and saying, you heard a woman laughing at 1 o'clock in the morning. I was at a horror movie, which was, you know, it was like an indie horror festival thing mm-hmm. where they had all these low-budge horror movies. Uh, and I was watching one, um, and, uh, like, as far as I could tell, it was a horror comedy. It seemed, mm-hmm. it seemed funny, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and a little over the top. And and kind of campy, and like House or something, something like uh, yeah. I mean, like literally the movie. I like the movie. It's called Grave Dancers. Okay, uh, directed by Mike Mendez, who went on to direct Big Ass Spider. Oh yeah, great movie. Um, but so Grave Dancers, it's very, <laughs> it's a very simple uh, a horror comedy premise. Uh, a bunch of assholes dance on graves, and guess what happens? The, 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 the ghosts the, the, on the, the graves ghost, get mad. Ghosts get mad. And they come at them. Uh. Uh, so I mean that's it. It's it's hilarious. So we were it sounds I was like with, a mildly comic premise. I it's mean, a co- it, yeah, yeah, it's over the top. So we were like sitting there having a laugh, you know, me and my friends who went to see this, and this guy in front of us turned around and got fucking really mad at us. Some of us are trying to really take this in, and we're like grave dancers. Yeah, we're taking it in. It's a fucking horror comedy, dude. He did just didn't understand that it was his comedy. This is a thing. And I was like, like, and one, it's not, you know, it's not like we were, we were yelling, we weren't Mystery Science Theater 3000, you know, right. we were just laughing and giggling. You were responding we, directly to the material yeah. that you had paid to respond to. And because we weren't quiet, like it was, you know, whatever, the latest Texas Chainsaw sequel or whatever, he was mad. Well, people are often wrong about things and this is you know as you get older you think uh 
I saw uh, some, you know, you see these various uh, life hacks on, uh, that's what the internet's good for, right? So people in a meme will tell you how to fix your entire fucking life in a single gesture. And I read yesterday that, uh, no, as you get older, you do not, should not hold your tongue. You should tell people how you feel. And, and I thought, well, tell my fucking sixth grade teacher. <laughs> Tell my fucking seventh grade teacher. Tell my eighth grade teacher. Tell that fucking loudmouth son of a bitch that I slapped fucking three months ago in a Seven Eleven. You know, no, I'm I am not supposed to fucking lash out and fucking speak my. I am supposed to hold my tongue. Actually, fucking internet meme. Thank you very much. One size fits all. Fucking th- this is the amazing thing about the internet to me is that it. It, it, it's this thing that should be specific to each of us because it, deli- it delivers to each of us exactly what we asked for, right? Our fucking algorithms are set. We, they know us. They put on products. For, I fucking cleaned the cat box the other day. He didn't mention it. And I came back and sat down and they gave me a fucking ad for a new cat box that cleans itself. And I thought, okay, fine. I made one joke about Joe Rogan on Twitter. Now every fucking tweet in my feed is... Joe Rogan. Well, Joe Rogan's fucking fire. I mean, Joe Rogan is is making money for for those uh, clickers, those clickbait fuckers, like uh, nobody has in about five or six days. You know, and we get a new one, and we get a new one, and we get a new one. But yeah, that one's on fire right now. People really, really have strong feelings about. You know what I find about interesting, and we're probably going to depart part ways on this, uh, but like. First, they're coming after Joe Rogan for spreading uh, COVID misinformation for not strenuously enough saying to his fucking idiot retard guests, hey, you're a fucking idiot retard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, you're going to get a bunch of shit for my having just said idiot retard on the fucking uh-huh, podcast. Uh-huh. You know who's, who's not going to get any shit for it? Me. Because I don't have a career. Nobody gives a shit. I saw this. There's a... You don't have Netflix, but there's... I saw this comic... On the first episode of this series called The Stand-Ups, you know, where each yeah, episode yeah. is just a yeah. half hour. Yeah, I haven't seen it. And he had he was fucking hilarious. Uh, but he had a whole bit, you know, where he's ta- talking about the N-word. He's a black mm-hmm. guy talking mm-hmm. about the N-word and, you know, using it and not using it and all that stuff. Um, and basically, you know, he was like, you're white. Don't say it. You don't need <laughs> to say it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to say it. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, in contact. And he likened it to, you know, your mother. You, you call your mother mom. You don't. What's your mom's name? You don't call her Julie, except like that one weird kid that you know calls her Julie. It's the same thing. You don't fucking call your mom a name. You don't need to. It's it's that simple. Just don't say it. So then, and then at one point in this thing, like later on, he was he was talking about somebody thinking like he was. Oh, he was going through WebMD because he right. and like he like all his symptoms. He got them together. Then WebMD basically said you have Down syndrome. <laughs> He's like, I'm pretty sure somebody would have mentioned this to me before, but like you know, I'm high, so right. I'm freaking out, right. sort of thing. But then he did this whole thing and he used the word retard. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he's like, Now I know a lot of people right now got. A little bit upset because I use that word, uh-huh. but I just want to assure you that I, anytime I'm around people with Down syndrome, I allow them to use the word and <laughs> the N word. I can't say it. He said it. I thought that was fucking hilarious. There's uh, there's something inherently uh, stupid about uh, the condescension to comedy that uh, that it should uh, follow certain rules. I think that's just. Uh, 
really the uh, 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 that's pretty lame. And I think the excuse that comedy uses, which is that it's the uh, you know it, it's that it's good for us essentially to laugh, is uh, the end of the argument. So uh, when 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 Joe when the Joe Rogan thing went from uh, he's not a strenuous enough informer uh, on these disinformers, uh, and that didn't seem to get enough traction. Everybody was so upset, but nothing seemed to happen. Now he's a racist, and the 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 narrative came in, uh, and so so this was on. I think he was getting criticism, quieter criticism about his racism, and he has for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this just comes down to now he's so huge, yeah. his audience is so huge, yeah. hundred million fucking dollars. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly not you know counterculture or anything like that he's got a hundred million dollars for a podcast with Mm -hmm. a giant corporation yeah so he's like no great voice for you know uh, anti-establishment or whatever it's that's ridiculous but i i I did find that interesting i thought the rocks rocking back and forth was very interesting Mm. uh uh i don't know i don't know what to say about any of that um, I, 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 I find it interesting that the exact same outlets that were complaining at the top of their voice about one thing about him uh, decided that this other thing about him was also cool, which gives the entire lie to the idea that it was about his COVID anyway. People don't like him. Uh, uh, and anybody that's that successful, uh, you know, uh, eventually Michael Jackson uh, had must have been fucking children. Well, he must have been. You know, only you know, this kind of shit. The only thing is that this started not with Neil Young and yeah, whoever else. Yeah. This started with almost three hundred doctors <laughs> asking Spotify uh, to have Rogan's uh, yeah, disinformation yeah. removed. Yeah. Now. And then you know the musician thing yeah. happened and all yeah. that yeah. and 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 I, I I you know that's First Amendment discourse that's you know how it works it's fine I can I can give you the you names know. and addresses of four thousand doctors who who over prescribed uh, you know the opiates to people sure. in, in Virginia the the a list of doctors is very unimpressive to me Well, and, I'm just saying that's. That, that's, like that's, 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 that's where this story this really star- took off. that yes. started. Yes, exactly. That's what started the right. the stuff about COVID and yes. Rogan being bad and, with COVID. But then, you know, because the other thing was there in the background. Yeah. You know, uh, and and then you have uh, all these people coming to Rogan's defense. Now I've never and listened then to India, the Joe Rogan podcast. I have never. Uh, I've uh, only I, seen I, the. I've, I've seen him do clips. the. You know, I, I used to watch him do play-by-play for fights. And oh, uh-huh. he was pretty yeah. good at that. And I've seen him do, uh, you know, some stand-up. Uh, uh, I thought he was okay. You know, it, it, it seems like a good idea that he mostly quit doing that to concentrate on this thing <laughs> that makes him $100 million. Yeah, yeah. So uh, whether he's a good interview or any of that shit, I have no idea. I have no idea of his politics. I have no idea of his... Uh, he always seemed, when I saw him, to be a very reasonable and grounded person. And now he's accused of doing all these things that are unreasonable and not grounded. And I have no opinion on them. Except to say that the people who are coming after him, largely, are cunts. And a lot of the people who seem to... A lot of the people... I, and just, you know, yeah. just to throw this in there, I would say the vast majority of the people defending him are also cunts. I have no <laughs> you know? problem believing that the vast majority of people are cunts. 
uh, especially loudmouth people. Look at me. You know, people who have large opinions tend to be uh, biologically directed that way because they're just kind of cunts, kind of grew up that way. Kind of, kind of, that was in the seed for a lot of us. And a cunt like me sees some loudmouth cunt who got a little success, uh, and 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 the the cunts that are tearing at him, you know. I, it seems to me that the case uh, uh, that gets made is better made without my input. What I find interesting about the case is that it's hodgepodge, it's modgepodge, it's made out of, you know, it's a fucking, uh, it's a collection of, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rainbow coalition of haters that seem to be coming after these figures who I basically kind of like, like Chappelle and Rogan and these guys, who I have no personal affinity to, uh, uh, I don't have fucking, you know, giant stocks of love. For, for any of these people, I'm not going to defend them with my life. Uh, <laughs> what I find interesting about them, uh, other people find hateful, and I don't understand that. Uh, well, I mean, in with- the Joe Rogan case, I am vastly less uh, uh, knowledgeable than I am. Yeah, I don't, I, I've never uh, uh, thought Joe Rogan was funny. I, I, I don't know that his podcast, I, I, I don't know, it's weird when you say comedy and, and when you see the clips, there's no jokes. That's all. So uh, it, co- using comedy as an excuse sometimes is cheap. Uh, but I see your point. People get too up in arms. I mean, well, while I mean, all this, while we're screaming about that online all week, there's so much fucking shit happening. Like the GOP saying January sixth was reasonable political discourse. Yeah, there's uh, that. That everybody, should, the, the, yeah, Rogan should have been dropped the, Ro- for that shit. Rogan is essentially a liberal, and he's essentially a force for progressive. Uh, politics in this country and the fact that it's progressives that are mostly coming after him is everything that's wrong with every cunt who would, i don't who think would he's vote anywhere near i mean to me. like i say i don't listen to his show but i've never heard him say anything bro. oh okay this guy was uh uh you know the the democratic party is not liberal enough for him uh this this is a Basically, uh, uh, this is this is an arubarus in which the fucking snake eats its tail as fast as it can because the tail spites the face. They're all fucking liberals attacking each other, and this is this is why the you know business interests are are so far in charge of this country that to the rest of the world we look like Tennessee, whole fucking country of us. Yeah. And that's specifically because liberals can't stop fighting with each other when they agree 89% on every fucking issue. And I just find it so moving. And so it's, we get so much of our information, especially about somebody like Joe Rogan, who you don't know personally and I don't know personally. Uh, I've been in the same club as him, you know. Uh, 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 I've watched him on the internet. That's it. And... The information that I get about him is filtered through, I mean, you've got the writers, you've got their editors, you've got their publishers, you've got their financial backers, and that's the filter of information through which uh, I get information. I like Matt Tybee, who has the opinion on, uh, uh, you know, the guy that won't work for any, uh, you know him? The journalist. Uh, He's just... 
He's just inside the crazy line, uh, or outside the crazy line, from Glenn Greenwald. He's friends with, oh, okay. he's friends with Glenn Gazilla still. But he's not quite as crazy, as, not quite as reactive as, uh, as Glenn Zilla. And Matt's take on uh, Joe Rogan is the same as his take on all of media, which is that everything everybody says about him is essentially a distorted lie. That the premise is... Uh, that the premise of most media takes on most events is uh, a lie. It's all about money. And it's all all about what every publisher wants you to hear. So all these kerfuffles are specifically taking place, as you say, at exactly the same time as the Republican Party and the Democratic Party together are working hand-in-hand to normalize what happened on January 6th. What's going to come of the uh, January 6th uh, uh, investigation and all these inquiries? You tell me. What's, uh, well, who's going to jail? I don't Is know. Is Trump going to jail? I don't know. Do you believe that Trump will go to jail over this? Or that any member of Trump's uh, family will go to jail over this? Or any member of his... These no, things there's, too many, uh, these, there's too many Republicans making that impossible. To, uh, these things won't happen. And, and the, the, one of the reasons these things won't happen, one of the primary reasons these things won't happen is that everybody's upset at Joe Rogan. That and, and makes whether sense. we that, should be upset at Joe fair, Rogan or not, that's we a fair sh- point. We, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be upset with Joe Rogan. As far as I know, he uses the N-word to start his car. I don't know. He may be a very well, evil I, person. You know, once you see the India Ari uh, statement, it's kind of hard to argue uh, and a lot of the clips that are kind of, it's just I, i'm not saying he's a kkk guy i'm just saying he's a little bit casual casually racist that's a thing um yeah so the the idea that this guy is somehow a bigger problem uh uh than the issues you know that we have with let's say republicans um the idea that this guy is, deserves more media space, deserves more of our attention. We've certainly spent more time talking about him today than we have talking about the uh, Republicans voting to censure, uh, you know, Cheney's daughter. Right. Uh, than the uh, what the Democrats have done to make sure and pad this committee with people who will never allow it to to become an actual legal force. That's the news. The news is Joe Rogan. The news I know. is what Republicans Joe are Rogan doing. and Whoopi Goldberg saying fucking stupid things is you would think is what's going on. Uh, it's the th- it's everything. So so the stuff that actually is going to affect us in, within the next couple of years and it's you know all the, the the fact that the entire judiciary is now made up of uh, aging liberals and young feisty Republicans. That's not news. Nobody gives a shit. And it, it, to a great, large extent, twas ever thus. You know, it's not new. It's not uh, particularly even interesting that, uh, oh, these people in politics are misbehaving and it's awful. Uh, it's, it's not particularly uh, newsworthy. You know, it, it certainly isn't man bites dog. There's no surprise in it. Nope. And there's no surprise in Joe Rogan either, but a lot of people already hated him. He was a very handy target because he spoke his mind. And I'm not defending anybody who speaks their mind per se. 
speaking your mind is you know very often the wrong thing to do. I don't like when Nazis speak their mind. I think everybody, <laughs> when a Nazi speaks his mind, everybody should run over and go boo hiss. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally fully for that. And when a secular humanist uh, uh, speaks his mind, uh, and all the fucking Christians and Muslims and all the people who think that God is actually literally up their ass right now, walking them toward the podium to stop this guy with a bomb or a gun or a fucking, you know, a Bible, a fucking book, uh, I think we should all gather around and protect those people. And when it's just fucking liberals fighting other liberals because they don't like some of the language they use because language somehow trumps all the fucking intention and actual action somehow. Yeah, I think that should be fought. I think that's a terrible idea. I think, I think that the idea that the language that somebody uses to entertain a hundred million people, the, the idea that that's, that's bad. If the guy's, you know, uh, uh, entertaining a hundred million people is the question whether he should be able to, and I know this isn't about necessarily getting Spotify to uh, cancel his contract. What's it about? What's the end, go- what's the end game for uh, the people who are complaining about Joe Rogan? Because I know with Chappelle, it's supposed to be that Netflix drops him. That was the big thing back then. Didn't seem to happen. I think it depends on, I think it depends on the individual who's like calling, ooh, freeze frame, end. Yeah, the freeze frame end on identical and then the fade to black and white is... Just and, like right after Leota just gave a Oscar worthy monologue. One of the one of the things that a movie that doesn't make any sense uh, does for you is it confuses you. And I, I I'm confused at this point in the movie. Even though for the last forty minutes we haven't been paying any attention to the to the TV, still now I watched the last literally last shot of the movie and now I'm confused. I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> No, there's no home videos. So it's a ha- happy ending. Family, right? Family. This is some, some B-roll that they did of, of family type stuff. Did some of it get into the movie? No, did I think, see I think they shot this for the credits. That's adorable. Yeah. They got the cast together and they hung out and they just took... Shots of them pretending to be enjoying Jesus' now, birthday. Now, executive producer is one of those weird credits that everybody makes fun of, but everybody has a different, different, different definition, right, for, mm-hmm. for executive producer. Sometimes it's a, a, a conciliation prize, you know, a, a, a loser sort of prize, mm-hmm. and you give it to the writer to keep him quiet, you know, and then, <laughs> then, he, then he has a producer credit. And sometimes when an actor is the executive producer as opposed to producer... I often think a similar thing, like maybe, you know, maybe they didn't really bring anything but acting to this, but they, but they let them act like a producer, or they let them call themselves a producer, they let them, uh, or sometimes executive producer is the boss. Yeah. It depends on the set, you know, what those, what those words mean. What do they mean to you? You work a lot. Does that even affect anything that you do as an actor? No, not really. Like, like when a producer comes up to you and gives you some fucking note, uh, uh, you know, behind the director's back, they don't present themselves as, hi, I'm the executive producer. Or they just, no, no. They just... I mean, you usually know who, who's who. Uh-huh. I mean, on a commercial or like one day guest star on some show I've never worked on before, I don't, fucking, I don't know. I'm not going to remember. It's right, a right, day. Right, right, I mean, right, right. 
But if it's like a recurring thing and I get to know the producers, then yeah. But I, I in my City experience, of that's the that's the name that goes in and out of this. I don't. I know I've gotten notes from executives, but they've been filtered properly through. The director. Because sometimes executive producer means this is the guy who's basically liaisoning between the production and the studio. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't mean anything. And sometimes like they overstep and, and uh, yeah, that can happen. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if the showrunner's the showrunner, but he's not, you know, directing or she's not directing. Right, right. Sometimes right. they'll give notes. Um, and that, you know, that that's all right. You know, sure. the director's right there. The director and him talked about it. I, know, I only mention this because Ray Liotta is an executive producer on this. And I, I, you know, well, okay, so did he not want to do it and they had to tempt him? Did they, did they, I was wondering. Or they, well, like. Or was he so excited that he jumped on? Or, or maybe what it, the executive producer credit was a, a gift after the fact. Mm-hmm. Man, he was so good. He brought. He was so great. Ooh, so great. Turn him into. I an mean, does that does that translate to you know a point? You know, no, some, it's some just you have of, a, a credit, I guess. I mean, I don't know why Ray Liotta needs that, uh, but uh, I got one on Fuzz Track City. It's not like I really, I got a co-producer credit, but you know, your physical participation in every single shot of that movie earned. You know something? Yeah, for sure. You for sure. you you deserved a, a, a fucking special mention at least. You know, hey, by the way, not only is Todd the star, he fucking had to be here every time uh, the director was there. I mean, you had to be there every time anybody was yeah, there for the most part. Might as well be a producer. But I, I just that's what I wonder because, I mean, Leota didn't have to bring it the way he did in this movie. Like, he really... I, you I know, the tears say, are real. The the performance is real. It's all very grounded and, and, and uh, you know, it's just well done as a, as a performance. Um, so I can imagine them being like, Jesus Christ, this guy gave us a gift. They wouldn't say Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> they might. You don't know. I don't know. They, maybe they say, uh, in a more reverent way, Jesus sure. Christ, thank you sure. for the yeah, gift of yeah, Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we should give Ray Liotta a gift. And, you know, well, they only had so much money, they couldn't give him extra money, so they gave him a pr- another credit. Part of me wants to say, because as you say, uh, he didn't have to bring it for this. Can you name a, a, a time that Ray Liotta didn't bring it in anything? Because I want to say that sometimes he doesn't really bring it. But I can't I can't think of one right now. But he's, uh, I mean, he's a good actor. Uh, yeah, I never I, thought of him I, as a great actor until this year. There's, when, yeah, there's a, there, there are straight-to-video movies, you know? Yeah. The, you know, you, you'll run into him and he'll be in it. And it's, he's bored, you know, he's... You know, Nick Cage, you know, everybody loves Nick Cage, but you go back, you go, like, oh. before he got in this renaissance with the pig and the, all that, like, there was a good decade Mandy. or more where he was yeah. making straight-to-video yeah. movies that weren't at yeah. least interesting like Mandy. They're fucking boring. Yeah. And he looks fucking boring. Yeah. You know, there's one with, like, John Cusack's, like, a yeah. a serial yep. killer, and he's yeah. after... They're both fucking yeah. bored. And you'd think, a yeah. movie where Nick Cage is yeah. chasing serial killer John Cusack, yeah. that should be awesome. Yeah. Not. No. No. Uh, is that the one where they have... The, he, he, he takes the uh, prostitutes out to a, an island and hunts them? Is that the... Is that the one? Frozen Ground? Yeah. 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 
uh, I had to stop watching that movie because poor Vanessa Hudgens started smoking crack or something to dance. And I was so involved in her story. Uh, and I knew she was going to get, you know, and uh, you didn't haunted, want to watch her. and uh, yeah. attempted murdered by uh, this fucking creep. Uh, I couldn't watch it anymore. It was so moving, and I had really liked it up to that. Now, that's obviously probably a pretty early point in the movie because she hasn't been kidnapped and attempted murdered yet. But yeah, uh, there's something about a lot of uh, a lot of movies that you can tell everybody in it kind of gave up as soon as they got there. Or, yeah, or they took it, like the street-to-video movies, you know, we were talking about Bruce Willis before, a perfect example. I mean, it, it's a dude taking a, a huge chunk of change for, you know, very little work, so of course they do it, but there's like, they don't want to. Mm-hmm. It's, it is just a paycheck, and however big. you read the resentment yeah. in their performances a lot of the time. And, and it's like, with someone like Bruce Willis, I just find it so interesting, because if feels like at a certain point Bruce Willis could have done anything he wanted to maybe golf sucks it turns out maybe it turns out that living on a tropical island and getting your dick sucked by you know whoever the fuck you want eh, maybe it's not that good maybe it's not as much fun as being on a set I'm sure it runs out of uh, steam uh, but I what I'm saying is I don't for these huge chunks of change they don't seem to want to be there you know, it's like if I get paid scale most of the time and I'm always fucking happy to be on set because I know I'm going to get paid. So if you're getting paid a million dollars for four days of work, I would be fucking ecstatic bouncing off the walls. Try to contain my performance. Try to get me to mumble. We, <laughs> we watched uh, the other day uh, Hearts of Darkness about the making. Oh, of sure. The, I love that. That's a good yeah. movie. And... One of the things that you get to watch is the various uh, power plays that go on during the production. That and and the movies, the the documentary is very subtle, and and uh, a lot of the time it's not even clear if this documentary really meant to bring up some of the themes that it brings up because the camera's on all the time in an actual production, and so you see people behaving uh, in in many cases uh, uh, as themselves, you know, really uh, for real in a very stressful situation. Anyway, uh, there's there's a moment when, uh, well, throughout the movie, you get to watch uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola lose about 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, he starts the movie uh, pretty husky, and uh, by the end of the shoot, you know, he's very slim. He looks like a fucking surfer dude. You know, huh. he, he's, he's, uh, he, the amount of stress that he had to go through with people getting right. recast and heart attacks and, uh, you know, the production issues and going $20 million over budget and whatever. So he... Uh, and Brando eating ice cream. And Brando! And Brando shows up and everything... Because uh, you're watching for the first three quarters of this documentary, you're watching the sort of megalomania of, of, a, of a, uh, a benevolent tyrant. Right, mm-hmm. this this uh, Coppola seems to have all this familial love. You know, he's got the he, he wants to nurture everybody. He's trying to, but he's also got to be this hard ass who makes sure that the trains run on time and the trains aren't even his, and it's very scary. And so he's freaking out, but he's but he's following this vision that clearly is only in his head, and he admits constantly, it's not there sometimes. I don't know where I'm going, and then fucking Brando. Arise, <laughs> and the movie becomes about what it's like when your whole life is dull unless you've got 600 people sitting on their hands waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And it's clear 
uh, to me, every time, every time I've watched that movie, did you get the impression? Like, when Brando shows up on the set and starts, I mean, he's already fucking with him well before he gets there, but when he finally shows up, his behavior is such that, or at least the movie makes it look like to me, uh, Brando's just getting off. He's just there to get off. And the million dollars a week thing, sure, that was to get in there, but what he really wants to do is eat ice cream and not like the dialogue and so the whole fucking crew sits around and 600 extras literally while he sits on a fucking palm tree and says i don't i don't know francis i don't know i don't know i don't, know. I don't like it and that kind of power trip i mean it's so ugly it's so because yeah. obviously for the rest of the movie you're hoping that they get this movie made and then at the end this fucking complete fucking asshole and yet he's one of the most necessary components of the production shows up fucks it up even worse than it was and you want to kill him like my impulse in this at this point in the movie is god why didn't you it's the philippines why didn't you hire somebody bury this fucking guy and, throw him, and have nicholson fly in? throw him out in front of the fucking the buffalo or whatever it is let him get killed in a natural disaster <laughs> right or he could drown in 700 rice patties he could fall out of an airplane <laughs> so many things are going to happen on this fucking production oh <laughs> uh, yeah we killed marlon brando but we got jack nicholson you know, something <laughs> and, and and it's just so painful and you see these people i uh, uh, uh very successful people who are used to having their own show is a great example you know people the stars of a show and you've gone on and you said that you know working with some of the csi people was really uh, exciting really thrilling in in a in a wow kind of a way you know yeah, these yeah. people who run their own show who have you know a certain uh, 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 you know the people who walk before them and the people who walk behind them, and their their way is clear, and they just don't have to put up with your shit. Those people are terrifying to me, always, right? People who really have their shit together always kind of kind of make me feel like, oh, I better get my shit together, you know? Yeah. And working with them, so of course you show up to work with those people, but then a lot of them are abusive of their of their power, and somebody like me who doesn't have any power. And who uh, uh, you know tries not to be abusive of people um, because it's my immediate impulse usually <laughs> constantly, constantly constantly suppressing, suppressing. it suppressing. and I'm, I'm doing the, the the overt work of not you know uh, uh, of holding my tongue and then you know a Brando shows you know some gorilla shows up and says ah it's going to be this way and everybody else can fuck. It feels very personal to me. I take those things very personally. And you've told many stories uh, uh, to me about what it's like to be in, you know, in uh, having to be at work, having to do a difficult job under the circumstances of somebody else making it difficult for you, be apparently because they can, apparently because they sort of enjoy having that vibe around. They enjoy the power of making other people uh, yeah, uh, I, uncomfortable. I, I don't or, know how, I mean, like, Brando is clearly out of his fucking gourd, right? Mm -hmm. In his later years, starting around then. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, you know, certainly some of the commercial directors I've worked with have been, you know, over the top monsters. I, I thought they were crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, mm -hmm. I don't know how you rise up to to that level of power being crazy. So did mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. trick people into thinking mm -hmm. they're not crazy? You know, but like Brando, you can see it. You know, like I don't know what certain commercial directors were like. You know, in the eighties when right. I was a kid, and right. I was seeing their commercials. But right. I, you know, then I would work with them, and they'd uh -huh. be like, "Oh, what an asshole! Was he an asshole?" Right. 
in the eighties. And then, you know, you hear stories it's like, yeah, yeah, he was a fucking asshole uh-huh. the whole time. It's like, uh-huh. I think people are attracted to that. It feels like power so often, uh-huh. just that personality, uh-huh. having that sort of a, abusive personality because he's so, you know, it's like when people are like, well, David O. Russell's a genius. He's an asshole because he's a genius. Uh-huh. And, and I'm sort of like, well, I, I've seen most of his movies and genius is a strong word. And... <laughs> And uh, and and so is you know the idea that you have to be an asshole to be a genius in in the world of creativity. I, I just don't understand. Why, why I, see, I never got that message. What I got was that it's okay to be an asshole if you're a genius. Uh, uh, that was the that was the message. Uh, uh, and again, not having worked you know one fiftieth as much as you have, the. The message I seem to get from you know media and and uh, friends and my limited experience in Hollywood was that uh, and and multiple industries you know you see this uh, the more productive you are the more leeway you you tend to get mm-hmm. and, and I I always assumed that people's behavior was predicated on you know uh, well yeah except not everybody's like that you exactly know? So, uh, that, so 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 not that it's necessary. To it's just you can. You're it's just right. that if you're like that, uh, 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 you can get. Because yeah, there are lots of producers uh, that I've worked with, lots of uh, and, and people in other industries who you would call a producer, you know, somebody who gets shit done. Lots of executives who are completely reasonable people and absolutely always calm and ordinary and handle stress, you know, uh, stressful situations with aplomb and and don't have those reactions uh, and and and. You know, the, I've worked for contractors who knew what to do when the gravel came and it was the wrong size, you know, and I and and the fucking truck already dumped it and took off, you know, and you got a four hour, four more hours with guys with shovels, and then you got to pay them double. There's, there's, there, there are contractors who can handle that situation, and there are contractors like the ones I've worked with uh, sometimes who they send you to Home Depot and buy two sledgehammers and see if we can turn this gravel into smaller gravel, which is what we wanted in the first place. Right. Which is a fucking insane <laughs> power trip thing to do. Yeah, right? yeah. In, in no circumstances. Ugh, makes sense. Would, would, you, would you think that this made sense? But, but there are people who do that. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't suggest that somebody like Joe Rogan, who makes his $100 million and says, oh, now I can say the N-word or, or now I'm free to do all the shit that I've always done or, you know, whatever. And, uh, that's my that's my uh, sanctifying gesture is that now I'm you know a success so I can do these things. Right. Um, I suspect it's just success allows you to you know it, it makes people think that they can be themselves. Yeah, I, be, be yeah. themselves. You know, not not that they have to be outrageous or or mean, but that they can be. You know, they have that option now. Yeah, that's definitely true. And there was always an asshole inside there. I, I'm just curious, like in certain instances with certain personalities, I would like to be able to go back in time, you know, and just be a fly on the wall and listen, uh-huh. is this guy uh-huh. who I knew to be an unbelievable uh-huh. raging monster uh-huh. who made everybody's life miserable uh-huh. on the uh-huh. set, everybody, the, the crew, everybody uh-huh. top to but living in terror. Uh-huh. That That's, and we have to do, and the spot is supposed to be funny. Yeah. But you're terrified. Right, 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 uh, right. How's that good? How's How that is good? that going to help you it work? Doesn't, it doesn't. It yes. doesn't. It ruins everything. But he, you know, this particular guy would make like 87 spots in one day, two of which would work. Mm-hmm. You know, he was mm-hmm. just throwing shit against the wall. So who mm-hmm. cares if everybody's scared? Sometimes, some, at some point, something will happen that's worthwhile. But I just wonder if he, 
you know, was always that raging asshole when he was powerless and just trying to get a job. Right. He was just a fuckhead to be, I don't, you know, maybe he was like, no, fuck you. I don't want this job. It's bullshit. You know, or you, if you want me to fucking do this, you, hear you, these got, you know, stories I don't know. about some people who seem to have gotten into the work that way. But uh, most people, it seems like at the beginning part, you're, you're supposed to be servile and helpful. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's usually the way I try to come at it. Yeah. Uh, well, I try, you know, I try to be helpful at, at, at any level <laughs> of employment. But yeah, it's right? weird. But. It's it's funny that the American dream, uh, especially in a lot of people's idea of a tycoon or a winner, you know, a, a somebody who's made it, uh, that comes with a lot of leeway. It seems to come with a lot of, uh, uh, or it traditionally, right, mm-hmm. did. And this this idea of the last couple of years in which the power uh, will actually be forced to uh, listen to the speaking of truth. This is a bizarre concept. This was never part of the thing. Our highest aspiration for 150 years, 200, over 200 years in this country, right? Uh, uh, if we go before the revolution, which we... Oh, I'm sorry. I touched the cat. You didn't like oh, it. Uh, the, uh, we were supposed to speak truth to power. Now, uh, power is supposed to listen. We'll see how long this lasts. I'm fascinated by the gesture. I really, yeah. I really hope uh, uh, you know that this train of thought continues. Uh, I doubt it. Strenuous. Well, I don't know, Jason. Uh, only like the, here's my here's my hope about this because mm-hmm. I see what you're saying, and and uh, you know I don't have a tremendous amount of hope of that change. But you know, and 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 I don't know if this is you know, I'm getting older. More people recognize me within the realms uh, that I work, mm-hmm. so I get less of the that kind of disrespect right, or, or right, rudeness or, or, right. or abuse, uh, or is that actually dissipating um, in the industry? Because like most of the directors that I work with, uh, certainly commercially mm-hmm. uh, and, and episodically too, mm-hmm. I, most of them are cool. They're nice. They're thoughtful. Right, right. They're, they're uh, you know, they're, they don't put pressure on you to... Do you suspect that most of them aren't raping uh, the women that are cast in their shows? I really do. I really think they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and some of the assholes that I've worked with, I don't know. I don't think they were doing anything criminal like that. I think they're just like to be tyrants on set. Or that's just the only way they can work, right? I don't fucking know, <laughs> right? Yes, exactly, exactly. And you find these people who who uh, you're describing on on certain sets. You're trying to do a comedy, and everybody's afraid they're going to get stabbed by the director. Uh, if that's the energy you're bringing, and you're a person that they hire, you know, at a, at a fairly uh, high price to get the work done. When I'm in those situations, I always assume, okay, well, you know, this machine must work. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put me in it. They wouldn't have paid me what I consider enough money, you know, to come. And I, I just always assume I don't know what the machine looks like. I'm the blind guy that says an elephant is a little stringy object, you know, because I'm holding his tail. I, I don't know. And maybe, maybe this all works on a level that I don't understand. But you've done it enough times. Yeah, that, that it still doesn't make sense sometimes. It's so weird. No, to me. it's so weird not when people are. It's bizarre, um, you know. And lead actors and stuff. It's even worse, I think, when it's an actor who like. Because I, I mean, not too many years ago, I worked on a series where that was the case. 
you know, you walk on set, everybody, I mean, this happened to me a bunch of times, different scenarios, but mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, it was, you know, an actor, uh, who was the lead, you know, mm-hmm. who played the title character in the show. And when I got there, everybody's in a great mood, you know, and everybody's funny and sweet and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like a jovial set. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then he appeared. And, and, and every, everything everybody? fucking changed. And, uh, every, everybody went dark and nobody was my friend anymore. Huh. You know what I mean? Uh, it's w- like, was everybody else worried about uh, him or was everybody Oh, else? yeah. It's like, and, yeah. and it was, what kind of mood is he going to be in? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I had that, you know, in, in, in uh, my house growing up, uh, there was always the question, you know, I mean, everybody has this to some degree, but, you know, is dad in a good mood? Is mom in a oh, good sure. mood today? And, you know, I remember that growing up. And sometimes you get that with your teachers, but not very often because it's an institutional setting. And so when I uh, grew up and I, you know, got a job uh, working at the restaurant, let's say, it was always shocking to me that in a fairly institutional setting, like a, a, an official workplace, which has, you know, in, in theory, the oversight of the fucking federal government you right, know, right. to make sure it's all on the up and up. Nothing is on the up and up in a workplace, <laughs> you know, even a simple workplace like a restaurant. Fucking everybody, you know, it, 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 is, is the cook on time. And if the cook's not on time, then everybody's in a terrible mood. And if the cook's on time, but the fucking manager's drunk then everybody's fucking up and nothing happens when it's supposed to and all the customers are upset. You know, and there's all these consequences that are almost immediate when you're in an institution and things kind of depend on personalities. You can't have that. Yeah. You know, it's so dangerous and yet so many of them seem to operate that way. And if this whole political gesture that we're making, uh, you know, here at the beginning of the 2020s, if this thing carries on... It'll be lovely that, yeah. that people stop, uh, or, you know, start getting called at least on being assholes uh, at work. Because at work is, God, it's so awful to have to go to work. I don't care if you're a fucking lifeguard and you love it and you get the chicks. I don't care if you're, you know, shoveling shit, which I've done, you know, for money. There are all kinds of ways to make money. All of them suck. All of them you'd rather be in bed. Nobody gets out of bed and runs to work. And if they do, uh, uh, it's a really good job. And they're excited about it. It doesn't last. Yeah. It doesn't, I, doesn't last. I always uh, uh, use that usual suspects mm-hmm. uh, quote, but I, but I change it. Mm. <clears throat> in in, uh, <laughs> in uh, relevance to that. It's just... What uh, is it? Uh, I'm kind of high so i lost my train of thought i didn't smoke pot before the smart. podcast today smart because i go uh, uh. Smart. so uh what were you saying right before i was saying that uh at work uh should be a safe place oh, right. because That's already nobody wants to be there so in the usual suspects it's the greatest trick the devil yes. ever pulled was uh, convincing, convincing people, people that, that it doesn't exist so mine is uh the greatest trick that corporate america ever pulled uh-huh was to make people believe they should be grateful for work. Exactly. Exactly. We're, um, and this isn't, I mean, I think it goes back a lot, a lot farther uh, to, um, okay, these, uh, I, I, for me, it, uh, when I think of capitalism and I think of, you know, how fucked up it is that, uh, uh, 
that everybody has to have a job. That this, that you know, in in a in a land as fruitful as ours, uh, you know, we don't live in fucking. I always use Somalia as a, as a you know a place that's fairly desolate where you know Tatooine, you know, mm-hmm. some place where you'd have to fucking buy moisture evaporators to fucking even farm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we live in America. It's fruitful. Mm-hmm. Fucking purple plain. You know, or no wait. Uh, so when I think of uh, our being forced to work, uh, I always go back to uh, uh, Renaissance uh, uh, or pre, you know, Middle Ages, uh, Italy and France, and I think of the building of these massive cathedrals, and I think of all the heart and soul of all these peasants that you know died laboring, you know, to put these giant blocks together and make these temples to God that would ultimately, uh, you know, ensure the servile uh, existence of their families, you know, for decades and generations on. And I think of these guys and the hope that they have in the work that they're doing. Oh, okay, I need you to carve these little... Okay, you're going to learn to carve gargoyles today. Here's the gargoyle, okay? Mm-hmm. Take this pick. Hold it like this. Hold it like this chisel. This is the hammer. And look, see the round part? Well, you did okay on the earlier part. I made you do an apple. Now you can do the gargoyle ahead. And they learn these little skills and they put it together. And then now they're an important part, you know, when they build the cathedral. And the guy's fucking 70 years old. And he finally gets to see this thing that he started working on when he was 15. And there's the temple. And it's all done. And they get to go. And it's fucking... And children, and his children's children are there, and he goes into the fucking place. There's still no fucking seat for him. There's no chair. No. The fucking rich people are sitting down. He goes sit, stand in the back. Fucking asshole, old man, prick. <laughs> what the fuck do you want? Do you want more food? We're not giving you any more food. Get out, old. You don't do anything. <laughs> and I think of the nature. And and uh, true. did you ever see uh, not Lust for Life, the one where the Sistine Chapel? It's uh, um. It's 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 Leonardo da Vinci uh, being forced to paint the Sistine Chapel ceiling uh, by whoever the Pope was, and I think uh, it's it's two of these monumental, terrible fucking mid sixties actors, and and they're they're fighting over whether he should be forced to paint this fucking ceiling. I don't want to paint this fucking ceiling, and he's like, well, you got to paint the ceiling. I mean, we're basically your boss, and so we bought everything that you, you know, any money you ever made came from the fucking church. So yes, you have to paint the ceiling. And his response is, right, but I'm an artist. I'm not some fucking asshole farmer, fucking artisan, <laughs> joke cheesemaker. I could paint the Sistine Chapel ceiling. I don't want to. I could. I'm an artist. And somebody who can, you can't just boss them around like there's some peon. And, you know, to the Pope, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I paid you to show up. You showed up. Now, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. <laughs> and it makes perfect sense to both of them that the other one is literally fucking insane. You know? <laughs> that they're not taking the whole picture into account. And and I, I feel like this. I feel like most of us, uh, the discourse in a capitalist society... Uh, is so faulty. We're so broken in our ability to to speak between the classes, right? Sure. Most of us, when we have to talk to somebody who's in a different uh, political, uh, uh, socioeconomical class from us, most of us get nervous and tongue-tied. Sure. Most of us get anxious. Uh, we worry about, and this is true from the top down as well it is, as it is for, for the peons talking to the to the popes. There's something essentially... 
schismatic about the relationship between the people who tell you what to do and the people who do it. And, well, that's unnatural. That seems unnatural to me. It seems unlikely that humanity is necessarily divided into these camps of people who, uh, you know, decide what happens and the people who go, okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, logistically, historically. Uh, Really, these, these societies in which you build big temples, we require that kind of servility. You know, we demand it. And if it doesn't happen, the temples, for the most part, don't get built. You know, this, this sort of authoritarianism that comes in with being in charge and, and saying, you know, what's what, um, usually comes along with some kind of political conservatism. It usually comes along with some sort of religious conservatism. And that's what, you know, makes people productive. And so a thousand years later, you can say, ah, the pyramids. Ah, mm-hmm. Rouen Cathedral. Ah, and it was the cuntiness that did it, you know. It, it, was, it was us turning into fucking assholes and 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 uh, you know attacking, falling on each other's throats, and saying, "No, you will submit," yeah. Yeah. you know. Uh, so this gesture that we have, that's so, and this is why so many of us are having trouble getting our heads around it. I think is this gesture of you can't rape us anymore from a few years ago, mm. and especially at work. Don't rape us at work. And so many of us went, oh, yeah, of course, don't rape us at work. And there was this actual segment of society that said, um, well, <laughs> you know, it's hard at work. Well, yes, it's hard at work. I got your dick up me. No, no, it's hard for me at work. It's really hard. And this argument did not last very long. No. And these people just folded. And here's what's funny to me. This is a human gesture, right? We said, okay, no more rape at work. And uh, you can't say the N-word. You can't make fun of people because they've got things wrong with them. You can't. uh, You can't. Everybody has to be nice. And so this gesture that everybody has to be nice is so contrary to the entire political history, not only of this country, but of most of Europe and certainly all of Asia, the rest of the world, nobody is nice. Nobody has a rule that everybody has to be nice. Nobody has this. This isn't a thing that anybody ever did. Western Europe developed it, you know, after after thousands of years of actual, you know, rape and murder. They were like, okay, uh, we have to have women in the cabinet. Okay, we'll put women in the cabinet. And somehow they just niced it out. And it just got nice. Over here, on this branch of capital, we didn't get any nice, ever. And then suddenly we have to be nice to each other. Suddenly there's a rule that we have to be nice to each other. You know, over the course of the 20th century, this basically, yeah, sure. this gesture. And now it comes to this thing where we can't rape at work, and uh, everybody at work has to be, uh, especially in the entertainment industry, we've got these uh, affirmative action quotas that are coming up, and everybody's got to be this and that. These are enormously positive gestures, right, for the society. A society moving forward, is the only one that could make these gestures, a society that intends to improve upon its own, its own past. Um, in 10 years, I ask you. Now, let's take it 10 years from, what was Me Too, 2019? Yeah. Uh, so, 2029. What do you see going on politically? Do you see uh, uh, the number of 
black writers hired for TV shows, like uh, something like quadrupled uh, in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Right? I was reading this article that uh, that, that seemed to uh, to think that this was you know this was certainly the new normal, and a lot of white writers are freaked out, white directors, you know, white actors getting sure, replaced sure. and stuff, and uh, you know. On an historical timeline thing, this is great for everybody. Everybody looks at this and says, "Ah, progress." And in the you know in in the actual moment to moment minutia of it, uh, there are people who are uh, upset because they're not working as much, or there are people who are uh, uh, you know afraid that they're not going to work as much or whatever. In ten years from twenty nineteen. Uh, do you think it's going to be like this? Do you think there's still going to be a, a, a sort of wash? Over our industry, that is essentially. Um, do you think this gesture is going to continue, or do you think it's going to draw back, going to pull back a little bit? Uh, In terms of the hiring, let's just say just the hiring. I would say the, realistically, the pendulum is going to swing back the other way, uh, but but hopefully, you know, the the progress that we made will maintain, uh, not disappear uh, completely. I was just looking at a thing last night that said in 1848 uh, was the first uh, uh, feminist uh, uh, meeting, in, uh, and it came out of the abolition movement, all these women. And it was 1848. 1848, women decided that they wanted the vote. Yeah. And they got the vote in 1919, I think. Mm-hmm. And they're still women. They still get raped at work so much that we had to have a political movement called Don't Rape Us at Work. Yeah. And uh, 1848, they were trying to abolish slavery. Yeah. We're uh, still trying to abolish slavery. It's yeah, 2022. Well, yeah. yeah. We're so uh, much trying to abolish uh, slavery that we're forcing black people into these positions of power uh, by, you know, essentially by uh, uh, fiat. We're saying, no, no more of this shit. We're not going to just have white people running shows. Here's a black person running the show. Here's a black person starring in the show. Here's a black person writing the show. These are enormously positive forward gestures. How long do they last? We've been trying to do this shit since the, you know, as soon as they brought the first That's slave ship point. in the 1600s. I mean, it, there were a bunch of people saying, I, don't fucking do that. I don't know what, tri- I mean, obviously it's, uh, you know, progress in this These country. These fights glacial. take centuries. Yeah. It's glacially yeah. slow, yes. Um, is, well, hopefully... I, I hope it maintains on on some level these uh, these positive gestures continue, but uh, yeah, but I, 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 will there be? You know, it's three steps forward, two steps back. Are we going to take those two steps back? That's what you're asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I, like I don't want to be cynical, but it seems like that's what's gonna would happen. It, just judging by how we've been going cyclically over the last mm-hmm. more than a hundred years, um, it, it, you know, it certainly wouldn't be surprising the two steps back. But it, w- it would be cool if they didn't happen. I'm very curious to see because it's it, just one step back. I'm fascinated to see how many steps back it is because it's such a, an alien gesture. This is as alien a gesture and as un-American. A gesture, right? This the affirmative action that's taken place. For lack of a better term, I don't, I don't have another one because uh, I don't pay enough attention to this shit to say anything rational about it anyway. But here I am. This 
gesture that we're making to make sure that uh, people of color and uh, uh, people of all genders are, are represented in, in, in the workplace. This is uh, so alien to, to the, my normal concept of what happens in America that uh, my guess is that we may take more than one step back more than two steps back. We might take the whole fucking thing back. Uh, as the political pendulum swings uh, for farther, uh, further to the right as, as it's uh, is making its way right now, I'm concerned about the success of a lot of the entertainment gestures that we've been making. I'm, I'm concerned about whether uh, uh, people who watch these shows that have been essentially affirmative action. You know, these shows that have developed out of the Me Too and, and uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, these shows better fucking produce. A lot of pressure on these things to make money because if they don't, this gesture may not well, survive because good, of economics. A, yeah, you know? that's a good thing. Because I wonder how long the po- uh, our political gestures uh, will uh, maintain their impetus. How long do we still want to keep going in that direction if it doesn't pay? So I hope these fucking things pay. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's the Marvel movies uh, mm-hmm. that feature people of color, mm-hmm. a couple of three couple of them three, now. Couple three, couple um, three. And they've made a lot of money, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Oh, maybe that trend will continue, at least in Marvel. Did they which make is a bummer, because I don't... <laughs> did they make as much getting... money as, as the other Marvel movies? I mean, are they, are they in... Uh, uh, I'm. Uh, I think Black Panther was one of the biggest. Black ones. Panther was huge, right? Uh, and, and I and this uh, the the and it was exactly Shang-Chi. the same fucking terrible movie as all the other ones. Yeah, yeah. And, and as far as I could tell, they didn't change anything. No, they just no, made everybody black. And if that's the gesture, then there's not much work to do on the actual products. That's you know? well, with something like Marvel, it's kind of hard to make a, a, a bomb. Uh, see the Venom films. Um, and and that but, uh, I heard some sh- anyway. Uh, I don't watch these movies, so I, I have no opinion. I, I but I hear what you're saying, and uh, I I I think those are solid. If not, I w- I wonder where we're like gonna sad. Be in eight, eight there, years. It's a bummer to think that, but it's like it, but I, you know. I, I think I a lot hinges on the on the financial success of the gesture uh, and yeah, and yeah, and yeah. the the you know, people's ability to keep. A lot of us still feel that these are uppity peoples who are having a moment and that it'll go back. And there's a lot of America right now that's betting on that. There's, there's, there's a lot of America that's doubling down on the Trump bullshit and on the fucking, oh yeah, January 6th was normal. And you know these attitudes are very common. Yeah, yeah. They're very popular right now. And as the country veers right, as I predict it will over the next eight years, I wonder if uh, Hollywood uh, will drop some of these. uh, And I wonder at the expense of some of this gesture. I wonder if it's been uh, uh, cheaper or more expensive to hire a bunch of black people. Uh, I I wonder if it's... uh, Well, I think the idea is it's the pay is the same. I think that's... Ideally, right? Yeah. so th- these questions and how this experiment plays out, how the American experiment plays out. People have been saying the American experiment is over since it started. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the nature of experiments, right? Just like, like people have been saying they're, going, they're trying to cancel comedy exactly. since the beginning of comedy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, these uh, people who want to spend their time saying, this is fucked up, will do that. 
more of them will do it if it pays. Sure. And a lot of the things that pay in this society are the things that sell. You know, so the more clickbaity it is, the the more likely you can get your movement started. You know, sure. Uh, and which means, uh, period, that you got to pick some villains. You know, and so the idea that we're at each other's throats, and the idea that that plays into the hands of all these cocksuckers who just want to stay in power, um, is to my mind that's our biggest uh, uh, challenge as a society intellectually is that we figure out who's telling us the information and we start believing, you know, what's believable and credible and stop believing the shit that's just present in front of us and, oh, it's got a Kardashian in it. Yeah, it's uh, part of the problem with uh, disseminating information uh, in the United States modern times is is uh, it, it, re- it requires critical thinking and vigilance. Just and like, we don't do that. Just like when you had to we, read a book, we want right? to be spoon fed shit. We want it. We don't want you know. It's like I, as long as I've you know my friends, progressive friends, your, yourself included, have always been saying, "Look, this is America. If as long as people have their paycheck mm. and they can uh, walk down the street and they mm. get their TV when they get home, mm. you know, the, mm. then that's it. They they're not going to." Uh, bust through any uh, glass ceilings or whatever the or or help people bust through glass ceilings status quo and the the idea that we're that we're happiest when nothing changes was I was raised on the idea that that's what a mammal wants that that's that's essentially our, our goal is is that uh, and we have to overcome this tendency within sure. ourselves to be human but that that essentially Everybody hates change. Everybody wants things to, to, uh, to achieve a stasis and stay there and never leave. And we did that, you know, as a culture. We did it for a long time. And now, uh, so even those of us who are progressive uh, or, you know, in our hearts or in our intellect or wherever it lands in us, uh, uh, depends on the day, when we're told that things are changing, a great big part of our biology and our certainly our, our, uh, our thinking, uh, certainly what we've been trained to think, if not uh, if not original sin, uh, you can certainly blame our teachers. A lot of us doesn't want to change. A lot of us says, "Oh, fucking change! It's change for the good." Oh, oh, do you mean? Yeah, the underdogs they get to take. Oh, change! No change! No, it's good. It's the underdog. It's you. You get to power now. Mm, change. And it just seems scary to a lot of and and those of us who who uh, are white and are heavily invested in being white, <coughs> these people are fucking you know more than terrified. They're, they they see the whole thing falling apart. They they see uh, you know essentially themselves in the position where they used to put all these other people. And that's the fear that the Republican Party um, capitalizes yeah. on. You Speak. will have to take those jokes <clears throat> and insults that you used to give out, and that uh, a lot of us think we'd rather die. A lot, especially a lot of you see it. A lot of these uh, young men and middle aged men. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more fragile. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, uh, God, we always used to talk about women being fragile. And you, as you grow up, you wonder how these fucking mythologies persisted. Women are the toughest. Women are fucking shoe leather. 
Women are the toughest things on earth. Men, men are way down the list. Men are, <laughs> men are like, like tissue paper. Yeah. You know? We're fucking break. Uh, we get all upset. We got all incensed. Everything's personal. Everything's uh, melting snow with me, you know? And it gets worse as I go into middle age, you know? Because as you go into middle age, you realize all these fucking gestures that you made were empty. And they didn't amount to anything. And you're not the guy you wanted to be by the time you were 50. Isn't oh that true? God. God damn. So you get all pissed off. And then you think, oh, fuck. Now I have to be black, too. Now I have to get on the wrong end of the racial stick. And I have to be the one that people make fun of. Oh, the white guy. You fucking... I, you know what it's like uh, to tell an N-word joke uh, in mixed company, right? You've done it way back in the old days. I, I've done it way back in the old days. And some people there not liking it, you know, that was like a, that was like a thing at some point. Well, a lot of these guys are a lot worse than I am when it comes sure. to that. A lot of these guys are a lot more sensitive than I am. A lot of these guys, you tell a white joke around a lot of these guys, they'll kill you. They'll kill you that moment because the idea that they could possibly be a premise for a joke is, 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 you know, that's life and death to them. And that's part of why I think all these cultures that don't want to be made fun of in a joke, all uh, could take a lesson from the white people who aren't very good at taking jokes about white people, you know? All of us are comedic. All of us are fodder. All of us are ridiculous. Don't you think? No, I bit? agree. And, and the idea that some of us can't be made fun of for various political reasons, um, I think is a dangerous fucking idea. It's the only dangerous, fully dangerous idea that I think comes out of all these humanizing gestures of the last few years and of the whole latter half of the 20th century civil rights movement. I think the idea that some people are precious and must be protected from even simple mockery. That gesture goes far. Mm. That, that gesture is patent to nobility. That's essentially saying these people are above the human and above the normal. If you can't make fun of somebody, then they're not human anymore. They're I, above I, human. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think... That's what scares I, a I lot think, of people. Yeah, I get I get that. There, there's, uh, I mean, we're talking about Protect, pendulum... You're, you're talking about a protected class at that point. Yeah, and we're talking about a pendulum before swinging back and forth as yeah, far yeah, as these yeah, things. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, with this stuff, uh, it's... It's it's not you know we're not lifting groups of people above us and saying they're uh, 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 you know superhuman. It's you know some people not mm-hmm. obviously not everybody but some people are trying to figure out how to write the playing field given mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that's why uh, certain groups uh, become protected um, uh, from being made fun of um, and hopefully part of our evolution from here, you know, assuming that, the, that there are forward steps and not just backward steps mm-hmm. uh, in the next decade or whatever, is, uh, you know, I, I hope that that element that you're talking about, that'll smooth over, you know, the way other, some people just want it to revert back to the way it was. Do, does that make sense? You know what I mean? It, it just, like, like, once people have... Uh, uh, 
been protected. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there will come a time. I feel like where they they're going to want, uh, you know, to be part of the comedy. If, if, I if can, that makes any sense, if I, it does. And I think the desire to be part of the comedy after you're already the boss is too late. Here's here's my question: uh, If somebody gave you a patent and said, "Listen, you're uh, nobody can make fun of you. In fact, uh, we're sorry for everything that happened to you, Todd, and your fucking headaches and the shit. You know, this, this, you know, mm-hmm. choose your own adventure. Uh, you get to be the boss, and nobody's gonna make fun of you. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna make fun of you for being a ginger. Nobody's gonna make fun of you for being white. Nobody's gonna make fun of you for making toilet paper commercials. Whatever the fuck, you know. I have my fucking paranoias. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Well, that's not something I need. Uh, let's assume, for the sake of argument, that's not part of the question. Okay. So what if? Uh, so okay. So I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying, yeah. I'm saying. What if you were given these things, and then later you were asked to chill out about them? Oh, oh, and yeah. and say, you know what? Uh, we're gonna have to make fun of you again, a little bit. You had a couple of years here. Uh, we didn't make fun of you. We're gonna make fun of you again, a little bit. You okay with that? I, I don't know how okay I'd be. Okay, but what's my it. salary? Uh, yeah, right, right, <laughs> exactly. Now, if you know, if we make these straw man arguments uh, constantly about whether you know one group needs such and such protection and whether one group deserves uh, less protection now. Mm-hmm. If we're coming to the point where we're making that argument, uh, then what? I, I, I don't know. Well, uh, I think this is worth it for us to uh, try and figure out, uh, not in this moment, but uh, pretty fucking soon. I'll think about that. Because uh, the, 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 one of the dangers of a protected class like white men, right, which, yeah. which, uh, who have run the place for a long time, uh, one of the dangers of these classes is that uh, you couldn't really make fun of them. Yeah. One of the other uh, dangers of those classes was uh, if you did make fun of them, what do you mean? What's wrong with you? Uh and the question of whether you're a communist or whether you're uh, passing for white, whether you're, you know, all this fucking shit that immigrants and, and, and our, uh, uh, you know, our, our political undesirables have, have always fought for and had to fight against, mm-hmm. I guess is my point. Uh, the shit that they had to fight against, um, putting that in the hands of the people, uh, of putting that in their hands and saying, okay, now other people are going to have to fight against your oppression, right? Uh, because the, what we're talking about is oppression. Mm-hmm. minimized, localized, but you're talking about oppressing a certain group to make another group more free. Those are the words. I don't, yeah, I mean, I guess that's and, 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 a, a and, and, way and of looking at it. I don't know that we're, you know, necessarily oppressing the white man uh, while trying to level a playing field for people of color. Let's say that making fun of everybody is the American way. Let's say that it's, or at least it's, a, it's an American institution. Sure, to Make sure. fun of everybody. And to say that now, you, Todd, can't make fun of those people over there. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. That's not part of the rules anymore. They can make fun of you. You mm-hmm. can't make fun of them. Mm-hmm. You're oppressed. Now, I'm not saying it's a big fucking deal. 
that right there, not a big fucking deal. And if that helps trans people have a generation in which they're not all fucked up and they all get beat up and they all get fucking, you know, raped and murdered, you know, at these outrageous fucking statistical levels, you know, treated more like people, mm -hmm. and if that works, then what? I don't know. What's their next step? Are they asked to, uh, are trans people uh, asked to relinquish power at some point and stop? Uh, you know, they're, they're teeny tiny micro oppression. You know, it's totally possible. People. I mean, I, you know, uh, just like, well, while we were talking about horrible bosses, you know. Right. Um, uh, so will some be horrible bosses and whilst others are benevolent bosses? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, right. I, I don't know the, what that means. For, our, uh, uh, at large, I mean. I don't know what that means at large. It's uh, a great thing, a wonderful feeling to be able to be generous and to say, okay, uh, to give somebody a gift, right? Right. And it's extraordinarily dangerous to give somebody a gift. You give a child, uh, uh, you know, it used to be a normal gift in this country. You'd give a child a twenty-two rifle. And say, here, you're going to learn to be responsible. This could kill you. You mm. have to be careful. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. And there's still, you know, mighty swaths uh, of this country in which that's a very normal thing to do for an eight-year-old boy. Right. Know, as he gets a twenty two rifle. Uh, my parents were hippies, so I got a BB gun. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, Red Rider. Red Rider BB gun. Got that goddamn same fucking rifle. <laughs> uh, and it... Uh, these gestures that we make toward humanizing our citizens and, and toward uh, uh, adultifying them, right? Mm -hmm. If we make those same kinds of gestures toward uh, swaths of our citizens who have been traditionally treated like shit and have been ostracized and have been mm -hmm. oppressed, right? Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, uh, we're going to give you uh, baby steps. Here's a BB gun. And later you're going to get a 22. The fucking... Uh, Ideally, uh, those gestures would be rejected. I think in a, in a, in a reasonable world, uh, everybody on the receiving end of those sorts of gestures would say, well, that's very condescending and fuck you very much. Right? <laughs> We're not children. Right? right, right. So instead, we shove the entire reins of uh, a power into their hands when they've traditionally been the, uh, uh, the butt of jokes and, and essentially powerless uh, in this. And this is going to be a very interesting dichotomy. The, the, the difference between uh, the people who used to have power and expect to regain it at some point, right? Because mm -hmm. nobody expects to be deposed permanently. Everybody thinks they're going to come back. So I'm very, very interested to see what happens with the, the formerly disenfranchised suddenly being empowered and the formerly empowered suddenly being mildly disenfranchised. We hope, you know, probably uh, given existing structures, probably not ever to the level, probably never disenfranchised to the level that we used to disenfranchise, let's say, black people or Mexicans or trans people. Uh, let's just say that that role reverses a little bit as it is. And what happens to that, you know, in the decade to come, in the decade to come, does that seem historically likely to uh, turn into something good? Or does it seem like another opportunity for conflict? You know, are we handling this particularly well? And is there a better way? I, you got me, man. I I really don't know. Because the movie, 
this sounds like a stretch, but a movie like uh, The Identical, in which almost every gesture on the part of the creative team goes awry, right, from my perspective, mm-hmm. right? The, the music doesn't work, the acting doesn't work, and a lot of it. Uh, there was a lot of money involved in making this movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of creative heads who were not crazy people made decisions on this movie. Uh, a lot of people who are really good at their job worked on this movie. Um, and the best laid plans often, uh, most of the time, most of the time, you know, most of the time. It, in order to mass produce something that's really going to work every single time, it has to be a McDonald's cheeseburger. So your sights already have to be really, really low. Mm-hmm. So I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated to see... Uh, specifically, uh, since uh, trans people have, have uh, gained a, uh, a sort of avatar for political voice uh, from the people who are really mad at Dave Chappelle and, and, and some comedians. That, that seems to be, to me, the largest, uh, most uh, impressive political gesture, uh, successful political gesture on the part of trans people has been uh, fighting against comedians. And I, you know, maybe I haven't paid enough attention, and there's probably a lot of other shit too. But that's that's the one where I, uh, I see them most visibly uh, uh, expressing their opinions through. Uh, again, uh, the people expressing these opinions are political avatars and not necessarily individuals, uh, uh, individual trans people. But these guys have now got some power. They've got got some momentum. Got something going on. Um. When this happens, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter is based on white policemen murdering black people. Mm-hmm. And it's all based on uh, villainy. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a villain in order, to, in order to raise these gestures, make these societies work and give them any power. Hmm? It's, uh, you know, it's easy to find a villain. It's not easy to sustain a villain. Because once you punish the villain, you need a new villain. That's true. And I'm very interested to see how this turns out and to see uh, whether the villains that get villainized uh, by the various uh, emerging power structures, whether uh, that helps us grow as a community. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 we're not seeing these villains... Uh, these particular recent examples, you know, the Chappelle Rogan mm-hmm. thing, we're not seeing these villains get uh, any, you know, I'm not a person who thinks that they, they should be quote-unquote canceled or whatever. You know, in the case of Chappelle, I think it would be nice if he if he acknowledged tra- his transphobia and, you know, tried to, you know, just move forward. It's like Whoopi Goldberg, you know, got suspended. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's ridiculous because she actually, unlike a lot of these people who are making these apologies lately, mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I offended you. That wasn't my intention. It's not a fucking, uh, that's not an apology. Mm-hmm. What Whoopi Goldberg said is, I got it fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. It was wrong. And, I, and, and I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, moving forward, I, I understand uh, this perspective and the history and, and moving forward, that's you know, where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. That's an admission of, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake and, 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 it, and it was damaging and, and I shouldn't, you know, it, it, I've learned mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. That's not, that, sh- that <laughs> she should have been suspended for that. You know what I mean? 
Um, no, because it, it, it seems to me that a lot of the social pressure type uh, movements have at their base uh, some fucking really, to me, uh, uh, indefinable gesture uh, about uh, what it is that, that, that and you just said. You thought Whoopi Goldberg gave a perfectly good uh, apology and, and shouldn't be, uh, you know, suspended from her job talking shit. <laughs> yeah, well, now, that's now, when, 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 <laughs> when, I, when I hear this, you know, stuff like this, I wonder, okay, so who's the, who, who gets to decide? Who gets to decide whether, because apparently it's not you. Somebody, no, it's somebody not else me. decided it's, it's, that she had to... You said it before. It's all the money. It's the money people said. Yeah. In the case of The View, uh, it made more financial sense for them to, to suspend her uh, even after a, a, a very mm-hmm. uh, a heartfelt and, and real apology mm-hmm. uh, versus Spotify, mm-hmm. which is standing by their guy. Well, it didn't make any financial sense. It doesn't uh, exactly. make any financial exactly. sense for the so the, both in both on both sides. It's it's money. But who's uh, yeah? But who's determinant uh, uh, would make uh, let's say the people who don't like Joe Rogan. This monolithic blob, right? We don't know who these people are. I mean, there's a couple of... Uh, India Arya uh, uh, gave some examples. She didn't like them. Um, okay. Is, is it her? Do, I mean, mean? do we turn to her and say, okay, has Joe Rogan oh, been punished oh. enough at some point? I mean, do no, we... No, I don't know. I mean, it's like... this, this is, is the thing this with is a mob. Different. I know, uh, it's well, nothing different from a fucking mob. It's very different from a mob because... In what way? Well, there's no actual mob. It's just... It's just... Okay, there there are people with power here. You India know, Arya and, and isn't isn't speaking for a mob here. I don't think she's speaking for a mob. Okay, she was speaking so, for so herself. How many people do you think are upset about Joe Rogan? Lots of people. So it's not a mob. What do you call it? Well, I, you know, wouldn't like when I hear mob, you know, I think a lynch mob or January sixth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Okay, I got my, my website got like shut saying down. It's a mob. My it's editor uh, was uh, was fired. The website was shut down because he said something that was politically uh, unacceptable at the time. He didn't like something that that had happened. He made uh, some statement about it, and the whole thing got shut down. Hundreds of people, uh, mostly actors, mostly fucking idiots, uh, accused him of child molestation. Accused him of all these things that had nothing to do with the issue uh, that we were talking about. And, uh, and made comments on the page, uh, uh, wrote to me, tried to get me, can't try to make me famous because I was defending him and, you know, mm. this, this kind of stuff. Uh, this happened to me personally uh, because yeah. I was tangentially uh, involved because I worked for, for a place that got in trouble. And this shit was as mob-like, and I've fought actual mobs, you know, physically. I've... I've you know, I've had that experience too. This was no different, except that you couldn't see anybody. It was all these people typing, right? And these these mobs and people writing to your boss. Mm-hmm. You know, ten people writing a letter to your boss, telling them not to hire you because they didn't like something you said. That's not a mob. That's a mob. That's no, a fucking mob. I don't think so. I mean, it, like if 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 we boycott Nestle, for sure. example, yeah. because they're selling uh, a formula to uh, tribal people right uh which is making the tribal people sick right. and depend blah blah blah, right. blah blah so if we all boycott nestle yes or it, not all of us are 
because a lot of people don't give a fuck. Right. So they're going to keep having right. Nestle Crunch Bars. Right. Because they're right. delicious. Right. Uh, they fucking but are. Is, but the people, they're very delicious. All the people who successfully or not uh, boycott a company to create change, is that a mob? Yeah. You think that's a mob? Sure it is. See, I don't agree. I don't think a mob is necessarily good or evil. I think a mob is a fucking amorphous mass, leaderless, headless, that uh, is pushed against uh, a certain uh, attitude, product, personage, um, your business. And I think that, uh, uh, sure, you can do good work with a mob uh, if you point it at Nazis. Sure. But Nazis also are a mob, right? So, uh, you know, the difference between Nazis and a mob is a Hitler. Right, so the difference between the bunch of people who attacked my uh, website and a mob is what exactly? There was no particular leader. There was no particular person who was. I mean, do we trace it back to the person who wrote the original uh, piece of journalism that my editor was commenting on? You know, somewhere in Chicago, mm-hmm. is that person the leader of the mob because we didn't like what they said? It, a mob is a mob. A bunch of people coming together angrily. To, to stop something, look, again, we get upset over language, right? Our, 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 our fucking common language is somehow keeping us from communicating on this issue. Just like with the Dave Chappelle thing, it's about some language, some fucking language issue that doesn't matter, literally doesn't matter to the person saying the language. Doesn't have any meaning to him. Doesn't have any meaning outside this context that he's using it in. And yet, to a lot of other people, it means this other thing. Well, wait. So what? What are you talking about? Well, specifically, when we were talking about Dave Chappelle uh, a couple. You of mean the ago, trans exclusionary radical feminist group that he aligns himself with? The trans exclusionary <laughs> radical feminist. Group. There you got a what's, mob. What's this? What's this mob called? This is what this okay. turfs the the turfs turfs that's what okay. it stands for so trans exclusionary who, radical who, I have to I have to put this in perspective uh, uh, I'm sorry could you define it again a trans exclusionary revolutionary radical feminism uh, trans exclusionary radical feminism is what we called feminism for the first three waves of fucking feminism trans exclusionary uh, that was pretty much in there yeah really you, you know why because there weren't any. Because what women were was one thing, and everybody called them that. Women who were feminists called them that. The whole feminist concept was women with vaginas. Now, I think the feminist concept was equal rights regarding regardless of gender. Why don't you which is the ask definition? a bunch of actual feminists? Why don't you do that? Why don't you ask a bunch of? Why don't you ask? Any of the women who wrote all the books that got everybody excited in the 60s and 70s, Simone de Beauvoir, why don't you ask any of these people how they traditionally define feminism? So now these people are being confronted after, in many cases, lengthy uh, academic careers teaching the nature of feminism as about being protecting people with vaginas against people who didn't have them. Why don't you explain to them... But what that's you're, not what you're really explaining the definition to me. of feminism as Dave Chappelle cited in his act, The Closer. Well, I'm not defending Dave Chappelle on any level. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying... <laughs> what I'm saying like, is trans- that this tra- word... Teen turf this is word turf. transphobic. It's a transphobic mob. Did it exist before uh, somebody started calling them turfs? Did they have their own name of turf? They that that's they With call themselves Team Turf. They call themselves. Did they start trans- doing that before, radical before other people called them that? Yes. 
who, who J.K. Rowling who invented yourself? Who that? invented this term? Ugh, I don't know who invented it. Exactly. This term was invented by trans people to label a bunch of people who didn't think that they were women enough. It wasn't invented by trans people. That, that it wasn't. But you it just was said you didn't know by, who invented it. I just told well, you, you who invented it. Now you're oh, saying... Oh, you I'm, know that trans... You, you who don't know what TERF fucking stands for, now you're telling me that you know who invented the term? Yeah. Because... But, okay. I'm telling you that this was a term that was originally used to slander, uh, to label at least, to name... The people who were already feminists who said, you know what, we think feminism has to do with vaginas. And the people who said, no, feminism has to do with whether I'm a woman or not. And so this argument started, do you fucking think, Todd, that a bunch of people who decided to call themselves this negative thing... Do you think that the, these, these, these traditional feminists decided to label themselves trans-exclusionary? Yes, I do. Because the, the ones that I talked to, right. Dave Chappelle in right. his show, self-identified as Team after, Turf. After the fact. Team Turf. After the fact. And after they, they called him a turfer? Yeah, after, after these people were called turfs, some of them embraced the concept. Okay. This label was made up by people who wanted to paint these people as evil and not really feminists because they don't like trans people. That's where the term came from. It was a label of the uh, enemy, essentially. It was a label by these people's political uh, uh, opposites. So the premise that this word is, uh, is, uh, that was invented by trans people to uh, call feminists who didn't like trans people calling themselves women a bad word, they invented a bad word for it and called them that. And yes, many of these traditional feminists, these second wave feminists, have said, fine, call me a turf, you fucking asshole. And that's what they did. So now this word exists. And for using a word invented by trans people and identifying with aligning himself with it, then uh, you, can be, you can be essentially on the wrong side of the whole question. I find this very interesting. I find uh, this politically... I, I do too. I don't... I, politically very, I, I don't, very straight I line. I did not know that this about the linear. birth of uh, turf. Uh, that has not been my experience, but I guess you're right. People can call themselves the negative words like that... that it's been, it's been the tradition it's of, been the of tradition. liberals pretty much forever. Uh, that said, even if it was a... Uh, 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 a mean name to, to call them. Um, they are transphobic, though, because they don't believe right. that transgender people should have the same rights as them. Yeah, I think that's also bullshit. I think this idea about the rights, this is... Uh, you got it down, and maybe you can explain it further to me, but I don't know. The last time we talked about this, you said that Essentially, the trans women couldn't go into the same bathrooms, and that was the, ex the, the that was the extent of the rights that they were being denied. That they couldn't go into women's bathrooms is that is that still the extent of the rights? So 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 much of it seems to revolve around that as as far as the conversation. Oh, big that fucking I've had. deal is what I have to say about that. Big what? fucking deal. What? Uh, Which way? Look, in both ways. Uh, yeah. There have been rapes committed in prison by trans women. There have been rapes committed in bathrooms by trans women. 
where uh, self-identifying trans things, women. This is one of those things that's not true. No, it's very that, true. That's that's it's very true. No, no, no. The it's prison, not true. The prison I, thing I, happened I, in England. I had a whole conversation. I told you this last time. The prison I thing had, happened in England. And it was a, a very major cause celeb in England. So you vilify a whole group because not one person committed it. Not at all. I never vilified anybody. Are you fucking kidding me? Did I vilify an entire group just you now? Sure or did I say like that you're, something happened? You're, did I say that something happened once? Or did I say that the whole group sucks? Which happened, Todd? You recorded it. Uh, you, 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 Which happened? Okay. All right. All right. Did uh, I vilify a group or did I say that... At least a couple you of did. times. You said they made up a name that was mean, and they're the mob that created this other mob. I guess that's what you're saying. I, I'm, I, I, and that's point, vilifying I'm an entire group? I, I'm confused. We've gone on for almost three hours. We should we should. The entire group, first of all, the entire group, uh, because you're tired, you're going to cut it off? That's fine. <laughs> no, that's I, fine. I, we're just the talking The entire circles, group season. of people who are transgender did not invent the name TERF. All this fucking bullshit that you're standing behind about, well, this is what this is what trans people are. This is what you're st- speaking for an entire fucking gender. No, all I was you're all so, I was so, saying so is that on? team turfers are in fact yes trans and some trans people commit rape, Todd, in bathrooms, Todd. That does sometimes happen. Okay. Do you think that it has never? Happen? Do you think that it is that. impossible to believe that it's ever that. happened? But most of the cases, when I've had this conversation uh-huh. with people who who are whatever this new wave of feminism is called, um, that they cited all these examples, uh, uh, specific examples, uh, which I researched and found that most were not true. Mm-hmm. And in one case, uh, a, a, a person, a man. Uh, dressed as a woman, rapes somebody in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. That also doesn't make that person transgender. Yeah. It makes that person a man rapist in a dress. That's so it. what would make him transgender? If he said, I'm a woman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a woman, Todd. Okay. Okay. What are your pronouns? Fuck you. That's my pronoun. That's not a pronoun. That's, that's you is a, is a, it can be used as a pronoun. Well, fuck is, eh? Hey, I get to invent the language, too. <laughs> if I get to decide what fucking gender I am and that my dick doesn't matter, then I certainly get to redefine some language. Or do you, def- do you deny my right to that? No, go ahead. Right? I'm not denying I mean, there's multiple name. narratives going on here. Everybody's sure. got a story. You got to tell your truth. So your pronoun my is pronoun fuck you? pronoun is fuck you. Okay. That's the most reasonable pronoun there could possibly be in this argument. Because... Everybody who questions your pronoun deserves a fuck you. All right. So, okay. Fine. I mean, if somebody asks you what's your pronoun, uh, in, 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 uh, you, you, you asked it, uh, I think, genuinely, right? Because I said I'm a woman. Therefore, I'm a woman. So, if, if you ask me what my pronouns are, I give you my best possible pronouns. Most of the people who ask you what your pronouns are are trying to start a fight. Most people who ask you what your pronouns are want to make fun of you for having pronouns. Okay. In this country, I think there's, there are more people that think, you know, uh, individualized pronouns are silly than think they're not. It's a democracy. Most of us are probably wrong on this issue, but most of us, you know, if they ask about somebody's pronouns, they're just getting a giggle out of it. So fuck those people. Sure. Yeah. 
And if I can redefine my body by saying so, I can certainly redefine language, certainly language I use. Yeah, yeah you're, you, that's a good point. And so much of what our argument here is today really is about language. What is a mob? Definitions of words. All that stuff. I don't know. Uh, you can call the, the onslaught against Rogan a mob. Uh, that's how you define it. I just, it's not how I define it. What do you call it? I don't know. I I call it social reaction. Um, I call it people who don't have a voice screaming and people who don't have a voice. Is a lynch mob not a a, a social reaction? Yeah, I suppose it is, but it's violent. I don't know what we're fucking talking about then. These differences aren't differences. But you don't, I mean... To, de- to defend this language as sacrosanct when it was invented within the last 10 years by angry people for a political fucking purpose seems to me uh, to be talking around the issue, not to be really what we're talking about. This fucking language. Who gives a shit? These people want to be called women. I am for them being called women. A lot of women who made their entire careers and lives and identities out of having vaginas don't like that. I am fully for them not liking that. Totally okay with it. Mm-hmm. I think both of these groups of people are completely legitimate. Completely okay. I think anybody who calls themselves whatever should be treated like that. You know? That's mm-hmm. what I think. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that. I am always a fucking friend of the freak. And I gotta tell you, uh, if you're saying that you have a dick and you don't, then, you know... You're putting yourself at a very tiny minority of people. You're asking not to be taken seriously by most of the fucking people. Now, most of the people are fucking stupid and not capable of understanding the gesture, right? But it's a gesture. Mm-hmm. My denying my biology is, uh, that's a gesture. It's a political gesture. Okay, I'm not, I don't want to... I see, I... I I accept that. I, I don't think that's absolutely what transgenderism is now, and identifying if, as such. I don't. If you don't, if you don't, don't argue this point pretty thoroughly, you're going to get Joe Rogan. What do you mean? People are going to call up and say, "Why didn't you argue more thoroughly with Jason when he said that you know trans?" I think I think I have uh, argued. Uh, are you sure uh, you argued enough? I mean, I, I don't, don't think I uh, like identifying. Uh, I will say this, and this is you know. Th- I don't think identifying as transgender is a political gesture. Do you agree that it is immediately politicized when you tell somebody else about it? Um, My declaring myself as a straight white male mm -hmm. is a political gesture. Okay. My thinking that I am a straight white male is a political gesture. Okay. Do you not think so? I'm identity in its nature is political in that it defines how I relate to society. Sure. But being transgender is your Okay, it's not to biological. Be born, to so be born uh-huh. one biological gender. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it, it's no different than well, it is different, but it's you. Okay, do you believe that being gay is a choice? 
I have no idea. I have no beliefs on that. I mean, I think it's not a choice. I think it's a, a biological reality that a person has. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, traditionally, uh, these people, uh, these groups, uh, 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 have been uh, shunned by society, abused by society, mm-hmm. beaten by society, victims of violence. So everything that they say is true? As a result? What do you mean? I mean that if a group has been traditionally shunned, beaten, enslaved, you know, Well, but I was talking, I, I was talking about uh, uh, identifying mm-hmm. uh, as gay or identifying right. as a, uh, a gender that perhaps uh, you weren't born uh, uh-huh. as um, is, is Watch a your function. Language. Is a lot a of them function. are born that way, but not biologically. Right. I'm trying You're to... Born I was trying, thinking, right? Well, you better watch your fucking language. You're going to be careful about language here. If you're going to ask me to be careful about language, you better define your fucking terms. I just did. Do it again. I I just said it's a function of biology. What is? It's not purely a political gesture. Well, identifying as gay. Identifying being a straight white man is also a function of biology. It's also a political gesture. You don't like me saying politics because you're afraid of politics. You think my saying that a particular group or a particular individual is politicized, you think that's an insult. You cut me off. No. You said you wanted to stop the show because I said... No, I want to stop the show because I'm hungry and I'm tired and you I have said, to pee. Declaring yourself one gender or another, you said, when I said that that was a political gesture, you said that you wanted to stop the show because you thought I was being fucking sexist. Misogynist. No, no I, I was I was thinking that you were being a little insensitive about what it means to be transgender and identify as such. You don't think it's a political uh, gesture to say There's I politics am involved. There to, have to be to, politics involved. To, to, but to, I, I don't think it's... All I was saying is it's not simply a political gesture. Who the fuck said it was? Well, you made it sound that way. Did I really, Todd? Or is that the way you heard it? Well, you know what, Jason? You're yeah. coming at me like angry, on fire all the time. And I, and unless, do you want me to just admit that you're right? What I would like, or do you uh, think that me? Is, is, like I would I'm like it if you would stop accusing saying. me of of telling everybody that they're little pieces of shit who don't matter. When what I said was, I didn't say that. it's all politics. Every fucking time that you tell another human being what your sexuality is, what your identity is. That's a political gesture. You're trying to align or uh, to misalign with that person. One or the other. You're trying to get with them or you're trying to be a threat to them. Those are the political gestures. I, but on Earth. Like when you... When you uh, but when I mention trans I don't people, think you're you going, think I'm not being nice enough, but, right? Because but, this is a protected class. But you just... Okay, what, I'm just trying to... <sighs> I'm so tired. Uh, And I want to eat. Then don't fucking insult me right before the end of the podcast. I haven't fucking insulted you. You're reading the insult. I am just trying to give you an opposite, not an opposite, a differing take. I'm not understanding some of the stuff you're saying, I guess, because you're coming at me real angry. So... And, and now I'm in defense, and I'm in a corner, and I apologize. You weren't in a fucking corner when you were telling me that I was co- telling trans people that they were less than. That wasn't very in a corner. I never said that. I said that. <laughs> Jesus. I said that to be, if you are Team Turf, you are transphobic. That's all I said. 
And I never said that you said that everybody was a piece of shit. Now, you said this thing about they invented Team Turf and not the people who identify as Team Turf. And I take that because I don't know. That's a a real thing. But I didn't say that you were saying that all transgender people are shit because of that thing. Right. And then what I was arguing with you now is that identifying as transgender is not entirely just a political gesture. And I don't think also that it's a political gesture when it is a political gesture to become the enemy of somebody. I think that you identify as these things and you let people know because you want to be accepted as who you are. As I said, it's recorded. There are two ways to politicize yourself. There's for and against. And you're either trying to get people with you or you're trying to get people uh, identified as people who, who you don't like, you don't want to get with. Those are the two political gestures on earth, for and against. That's what I said. Okay. Huh? And any time that anybody raises their sexuality in, uh, with another person, that's a political gesture. When they define themselves, to themselves, as a sexuality, that's a political gesture. And you can't say you're trans in 2022 and not expect that to be its own political gesture. The, the gesture of coming out in public and saying what you are, right? That became a thing in the 20th century for gays and, and for people who passed as different races, right? Uh, this became a thing. You came out. And we have this great, uh, you know, coming out party, this, this, this unveiling of ourselves. And this is ongoing. We all of us try to be more than the, the little shit that we're born Right. You know, and the the fact that trans people don't want to be just the butt of jokes is fucking correct. Of course it is. They want to be more than that. Great. Do more than that. Be more than that. Be more than a political gesture. Because all I hear about trans people in the last few years is that they don't like comedy. Great. I want to hear some more. I would love it if the spearhead of the, if, if one of the avatars of the trans community suddenly came out with a great fucking song or fucking a book that they wrote that was really smart that wasn't about politics. Imagine that. So the gestures that we all take from each other, right? One of the things that my racist uncle used to say about, uh, he's actually not an uncle, he's a fucking... Yeah, it's true. He was more like a, my dad's third cousin or some shit. Uh, <laughs> one of the things he used to say about black people was that they'd never get organized. You'd never have to work. He used to, he'd say to me <coughs> when I was a kid, um, you never have to worry about black people. Like, apropos of nothing. And I just, you know, he'd be hanging out with my dad. You never have to worry about black people. And my dad would always yell at him for his race shit because it was all stupid. He didn't like Jews and he didn't like black people. And his fucking thing about black people was you don't have to worry about them because they'll never get organized because they're all so vain. Because they spend all their money on clothes and records and fancy cars. You know, all those black people driving Cadillacs. And I remember uh, like the third time he said this to me, I said, I don't know any black people in Cadillacs. I live in Stockton. I live out in the country. I've never seen a black person in a Cadillac. What the fuck are you talking about? And he immediately changed the subject to, well, it's Jews you really have to worry about because Jews can get organized. We project onto the other, right? All this shit that we fear from ourselves. Sure. You know, whatever I don't like about myself, I'm going to say the black people do it. Whatever I don't like about myself, fucking women do that. You know, women are the fucking weak ones. What? Hmm. How the did that get started? How the fuck did somebody come up with that? Or that fucking trans people 
are fucking feminine, therefore they're weak. This is the opposite of the way it works. These people are fucking fierce. Yeah. Fearless. Sick of it. The fact that we get emotional just discussing this fucking subgroup, which I don't know about you, I have zero fucking contact with these people unless I go to the theater. Then I know my trans people. I know where they are. Oh. I don't have any... In- I, I'm gifted with a son uh, who's 16 in high school. You have a trans son? 22. No, I do not. He has trans friends. He has trans friends. Transgender friends. Transgender friends. So you get, to, you get to have them in your house. Sure. That's great. And I get to have brain farts and, and not use the right pronouns. So what happens at those times with these kids? Do you get do you no, get do you nothing. get canceled? No. Do they do they giggle? Do they go oh die? No no no. I uh, just say excuse me and then fix it and they don't, they get it. They, every, every, you know. So here's my here's my question: Is it as dramatic as our conversations about trans people? No, but it's you and me, Jason. And I want to say this before we go any further. Uh, I apologize if you felt like I was insulting you. That is we both not, think not that, what we I both was trying think to do. A lot of the times that the other one is fucking digging at us and digging at us. I don't think I'm. I'm not. I, I don't think that. I think well, you that said I was yelling and angry, and I think that uh, uh, you well, know, and I you hated. called me condescending in the last one. I think uh, you're an enormously condescending presence when you, <laughs> when you think that the other person is 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 wrong. And I sure. thought that in fucking 1997, and I think it now. Uh, you're excellent, uh, 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 condescending take. Mm-hmm. You got a you got a great read, on that condescending <laughs> sort of vibe. Uh, and we both have that. I, I, I'm certainly aware of it. And, uh, yeah, we piss each other off. Uh, I think you're telling me I'm a fucking caveman. You think I'm telling you that the world has to go back to, you know, basically the Middle Ages. These are the things that we're projecting on each other. These are the things that a lot of people project on trans people. And the things that trans people project on uh, other people are just as real. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. I see that 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 all the fucking put upon peoples of this world are not necessarily right because they've been put upon, and should not necessarily be given the power to decide who gets to talk just because they don't like what some people say. This is true for all of us. This is why in China, you, you saw this uh, a Canadian broadcaster, a French broadcaster, got pulled off physically like hands uh, with the Communist Party uh, nice. band in China at the Olympics. He got pulled oh, off the air. Uh, and, and they don't know why. I don't know what he was talking about. I don't know if, if it had anything to do with what he was saying. They might have been filming in front of a building they weren't supposed to film. Who knows? But in this country, traditionally, when people get pulled off the air or told what not to say, a lot of us freak out. Because we were told, growing up, you're not supposed to do that. And it seems to me that a lot of the problems that a lot of us have with each other are projections, right? When you storm the Capitol, that's not a projection. That's not me thinking, oh, those fucking Republicans are crazy. That's fucking Republicans acting crazy. Mm -hmm. And when the Republican Party, a year later, says, you know what? That wasn't weird. What was weird about that? that? That's fucking crazy! Mm-hmm. We can't have that, right? Mm. That's not me projecting on Republicans that they're fucked up. Republicans are fucked up. <laughs> and when I have problems with what Democrats do, it's not because I think Democrats are going to be fucked up, therefore I interpret their actions wrong. No. Democrats, Republicans, politicians, fucking Jews, me, Mexicans, my, the fucking Mexican half of my family, I'm not projecting. These people, you know, have their shit together more than the white half of my fucking family more 
Mm. Mexicans are doing better. White people are not doing as well. That's not me projecting. Those are the fucking, those are the numbers. It's math. Right. Having these facts at our disposal doesn't mean that we're going to fucking not generate craziness and throw it at other people because we're crazy. Everybody's crazy. And I think that a lot of these things, are, we're, we're putting a lot of emphasis on what is the official version of what these people think, which is, as you said, it's not even fucking, you're not even willing to call it a mob because you can't see these fucking people. We don't know who's there. We know that India Arya and some other famous people, uh, you know, fucking old hippies, said, fuck Joe Rogan, fuck Spotify. That's what we know. And we have to assume the rest of it. And I'm not 100% sure that all trans people think that Dave Chappelle is a fucking boorish asshole. I'm not, I'm not at all sure of that. I'm, I'm, I, I think that a lot of this is... We're being asked to buy into some random person's projection that fit with a fucking algorithm for clickbait. I think that's a lot of what you and I get most incensed about is when we see the other one falling for some fucking clickbait argument that just seems fucking inherently on its face. Not for smart people, you know? I mean, you see me doing stuff that seems incredibly stupid to you, saying shit that just seems like I haven't done the reading or something, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that's that's where we're at. Sure, I appear the same way uh, as well. We're But I take your point. Um, and I think it's a good point. Um, and I, I'm, I, I'll think about it, you know, <laughs> and honestly, you're right. I just, so much of my reaction to all these things is because I don't have a job and, uh, you know, I guess I got to fill my head up, my, my empty mental space with bullshit because, uh, you know, I got nothing else to think about. I wonder about this because I, uh, you know, I don't have a job either. I've spent most of the last few months writing this fucking play, which is inherently an insular act. And so I take little breaks and I'm already on the keyboard. So fuck it. You know, I'll go online and you see these little things. I get so upset reading the news. I get so upset watching uh, somebody talk about somebody else. The news for me in the last couple of years became about, uh, especially in this year, in the last few months since I've been writing this play, which is about two people talking to each other and the fact that they never communicate, even though they're talking to each other constantly. And this is what the news has become to me. Uh, Nasty things this person said about this person. It's just accusations. That's all the fucking news is anymore. It's accusations that Jeff Bezos, if it's in the Washington Post, it's what Jeff Bezos wants to say about that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. if it's in New York Times, it's it's fucking what the Democratic Party wanted to say about that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's never been an article that said that Bernie Sanders uh, was even a fucking good politician or was even like a nice guy or, you know, was even and, and certainly not that he ever had a fucking chance in certain newspapers in this country when, you know, that was a legitimate political movement. It had its things. It had its, you know, it had its time. Uh Gonna lose, gonna lose, gonna lose, gonna lose. Because some people didn't like that. Nobody wants, you know, these things to change. That's the one I paid attention to because that's the one that, uh, you know, uh, I liked the ideas. But all these fucking gestures, all these political gestures, they're, they're all of them 
optimized to algorithm. They're all about what they can sell us while we're looking at this stupid shit because what really matters... I gotta say, that January 6th fucking thing and, you know, the, the fallout from it, that shit doesn't matter. What matters is what's happening in our trade relations with fucking China. What matters is what's happening... You know, the fact that... You know, $10 is still a really good wage in 90% of this country. Yeah. You know, what really matters is shit that never gets fucking addressed because we're talking about whether trans people feel a certain way. Yeah. And I can't, I can't tell you how fucking humiliated and fucking idiotic I feel every time, uh, especially when we do this, because all our fucking energies, none of this matters. You're right. What we're talking about doesn't matter. At two all. trans people, <laughs> no, two Dave Chappelle, no. two Joe Rogan. What no. the fuck is the fucking focus of what our argument is? Nothing, You're right. Nothing. Magma does not move because of our gestures. You're and right. Our, my getting really upset and feeling like I'm not being listened to, and 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 Todd's not being enough of my friend right now. Jesus Christ, I'm just glad we got it on tape so I can listen to this years from now and think what a f- you know what not to do. <laughs> How not to be. Yeah. How sensitive not to act. But we got I like honestly Jason and I like, you know, and and we cyclically get into this place with these dumb fucking things. And you're right, it's dumb and it, it doesn't matter <laughs> what we think uh uh at all. Uh and it and I feel like cyclically, you know, these things happen. Just like cyclically, suddenly I'm spending too much time arguing with anti-vaxxers on Facebook. And uh, and actually, often when we have these uh, moments, uh, I walk away going, geez, you know, Jason's right. I'm spending too much time with my head up the internet's ass. I go home from 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 these arguments that we have. The other one we had uh, that was a big blowout was in person too, right? That was a yeah. That was, was also back in, in 2016. Uh, I went home and I thought for the next fucking two days about how I am essentially uh, that you're this tuned in person who gives a shit who fucking you know looks things up who finds out who's fucking you know eh, your life isn't traumatized by having to learn some new information because you're just automatically picking it up from the this is my head right Mm -hmm. and i am this thing that lives under a rock on purpose and then comes out with opinions that he doesn't know anything about because he fucking lives under a rock when in actuality i think we both probably have roughly roughly the same information yeah it's we're, so we're, humiliating to me <laughs> that we would get in don't. a fucking argument and both of us get our fucking blood up over this. If we planned it that way, and this was the show, you know, the Jason and Todd get upset show. Great. But it, it, it's just something that was latent. It's just lying around in there that you and I aren't getting our fucking jollies off enough. Apparently, we need to spend this fucking energy without a sandwich. I'm exhausted, too. I'm fucking starving. I had an egg this morning. I had three quarters of a hard-boiled egg because of the rest of it, and I had a funny shit. I fucking drank malted milk, and it's, uh, my stomach's too fucked up. I can't eat the wheat anymore. And now, uh, this malted milk shit, mm-hmm. like all my bad shits like from the wheat, they all, they're, they're visibly identifiable. Mm-hmm. You know, you could see from hours later. Oh, that's a that's yeah. He gluten. ate, he ate yeah. gluten. Uh, the fucking uh, uh, malted milk thing 
it didn't come out like the gluten shit, like I thought it would. It was horrible, and it was it was a terrible experience that lasted all day. But it it wasn't like those other ones. It came out like malted milk. So so there's this milky part that came out, and then in there is the shit that's in the spoon, the dry shit that's in the spoon that you pour in there. That's all stuck to the side of the bowl. And the milky shit came out and sort of washed with that, but mostly it was just that dry milky shit. And I mixed that shit up, Todd! I mixed it up good. It wasn't, it wasn't in there dry. I didn't eat it dry. It fucking came out that way. Your and body I, reassembled it. I'm just glad... That we're human enough that we both realize that the other person isn't a threat and that we're actually trying to grow and learn. And I hope that you erase the last 25 minutes of this podcast. That's Why? Right. It's good entertainment. It makes me cry. I get so embarrassed listening no, to don't, this shit. No, don't, don't be... Oh. Don't. We, we, look, it got heated. We figured some stuff out. You've given me stuff to think about, you know? Yeah, but so, to what end? You uh, no, no, you remind I, I, me constantly of how you're supposed to, and I mean this. I mean this. I don't. I don't mean like it's supposed to. Supposed, you know, yeah, like yeah. in a bad way. Uh, uh, I would like to be more like you in many, 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 many ways. And I, you know, this is what our friends are, right? We look at our friends and go, I'd like to have this quality and this quality, mm. not that one, but I'd like to be more <laughs> like this. Uh, and I just hate it when they don't mesh because, you know, I come over here to feel more like you. You hang out with a certain friend, you, there's a, you know, a Zelig thing that mm-hmm. happens, right? You're a different person with, with, with Steve, sure, sure. you know, uh, and I just hate it. Uh, I, I always feel like when friends, uh, when you have this experience in friends and you have this argument about something and it seems so passionate in a way, you know, because there's love involved. It's not like you're arguing with an enemy, in which case, you know, there's only bloodlust involved. Right, there's right. There's actual... No, we know, want to understand each other. We actually like each other. Uh, yeah. And so when this but thing happens... hotheads. That when you lose your temper with a friend, specifically, I feel like it's a betrayal. I feel like I'm betraying the fucking uh, spirit of... Exactly. But you, but you and I, like, before this podcast, you know, we have a history... Because I like you. And you're very smart, uh, so you you know you make me think, and then sometimes I have a disagreement with a philosophy or something that right. you have, and th- and then we get and that's when we get into it. Right. But we've and we've done this enough times, you know, and and I've had fights with other friends, of course, you know, and 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 you figure it out. But I, I mean, I do think that. You know, I, I walk. I don't think you should be embarrassed, is what I'm saying, because I usually walk away. I always walk away from our fights. You know, one we tend to make up, and yeah. because we have a sense of humor about ourselves. But two, um, you know, wh- after the fact, I'll think about it, and 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 I will. There will be a change in my perspective. About some of these things, I guarantee it. So, so that's inevitably for me. Yeah, uh, because uh, you know what's weird is that it just doesn't happen when you're arguing online with Republicans or some shit, right? No. Uh, but yeah, with you, uh, with friends, you 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 think about the argument. You know, it doesn't go away. It doesn't leave your head. You know, because I'm thinking about the argument for a period of time afterward, and it's inevitable that I'll go, well, fuck. Uh, uh, you know, some of your basic premises, right? I'll be like, well, that didn't make any fucking... Well, that's a basic... Well, 
Okay. (laughs) I I, I, I don't actually have a problem with that essential thing that he was saying. So fuck. So if I could have got past that, then there wouldn't have been, you know, nearly as big of a misunderstanding. Because that's essentially what it is between friends. Between friends, it's a misunderstanding. Because we want to bond. With actual enemies, it's 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 not a a misunderstanding. Well, but it's it's different. Like, you're, you're arguing with me. Is different than you're arguing with a Republican for a lot of reasons. One, you, you, you can present, as you did in your argument, you presented a fact that I didn't have. Right. The, okay, so then it, oh, that threw a kink into my work, so I had to figure that out. My understanding um, is that turf was originally an English term used online uh, in an argument uh, uh, by a trans or a trans advocate against. That's my understanding. That, uh, uh, it can be completely right. wrong. It can totally be wrong, but as soon as I found that, that confirmed what I already suspected. I was just going blah, off blah, blah, blah. a different assumption because the people that I've talked to who self-identify identify as, as turf. So Absolutely. I, that yes. was the first person yes. I heard yes. it from. Um, but it's like hippies, you know. They used to call them hippies. Then they said, "Okay, we're hippies." You know. That kind of thing. Yeah, you know uh, the thing about hippies is all the people in my area who are conservative and have flags uh, flying off the back of their trucks. Look like fucking hippies. <laughs> they all look like Kid Rock, right? <laughs> yeah, fucking oh, bunch yeah. of yahoos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the thing that I have to learn uh, uh, in general, right? And we're all going through this. I had to watch Defending Your Life is on HBO. So I watched that. I love again. that movie. Fucking punch in the heart. It's like That's, a screwdriver in the heart. It's so oh, good. God. It's so funny, too. And... Uh, and that the whole point is that you kind of have to be. It's not about being good or kind. It's about ambition. It's about not. It's about facing your fear and getting on with things. Mm-hmm. It's about going. For, and that's such a wonderful capitalist take on, <laughs> on the whole thing. I think that's just beautiful and funny. Well, and it's setting too. It's so it's, corporate. It's all a mall. It really yeah, is like a like imagining court. America just just yeah, afterlife yeah. is more America. But they're, uh, what he's trying to learn, right, and to face his fear and all this shit, and you look back at your life and you say, oh, I was, I was a real weakling then, or that was a moment where I really could have stood up, or, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, arguments with friends, uh, in particular with you, uh, uh, because we get so mad, and we're recording it, which <laughs> yeah. is doubly embarrassing, right? So, so I go home, I think about it way more. And the thing about arguing with friends is you get all this shit out of it. You get all this stuff. You grow. You go, oh, fuck. Todd's not fucking totally idiotic. And that's fucking not. And that's a mainstream point of view because it's a good reason, Jason. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, these things come to us. You know, and I'm, yeah, yeah. exactly as you say. And when I fight with somebody who essentially is my opposite, a real opposite, somebody who really doesn't like whole groups of people somebody who really is you know believes in the teachings of a you know 3000 year old book mm-hmm. somebody who blah 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 mm-hmm. uh, when my disconnects with these people can feel very similar is my problem oh, oh i see that, that when i argue with those people i don't get anything out of it there's no afterglow where i fucking you know grow and learn and, and become a better jason uh, as there is when we fight uh, when you fight with real bad people or you know the people that you're really not aligned with on any level it's uh it, it's it's just the same set of uh, buttons getting pushed uh, physically you know emotionally mm-hmm. i get the same amount of uh, hormones uh, i get the same it just feels so goddamn similar and and 
the difference is, right, if there was a war, you and I would be on the same side fighting those people, and we'd have to kill them. But in between battles, we'd, we'd be, be hiding in the... We'd be in the trench mm-hmm. arguing about some arguing dumb fucking about, thing. You know, I didn't think you were very polite to our new... Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I realize our new sergeant major is uh, different, but I don't know... Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to say different, Jason. <laughs> Fuck you. You say different. I don't see different. You know, I'm sorry. I, ter- I gave you a terrible character there. Uh, no, that's uh, fine. But yeah, there's uh, there's something essentially uh, about, you know, Republicans have infighting too. Sure. But it's really, really quiet. And it's about whether you can call a semi-automatic an automatic and casual conversation and get away with it. They don't have they don't have basic like humanist arguments, you know, the way that we do about the ch- structuring of society. They already agree on all this shit because it's very simple. It's, it's literally black and white for them. So th- they don't have these policy these drags on their policy like right. we do, you know, and 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 this is always going to be a problem for liberals because we think. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and you've made this point a thousand times. And I agree with you. Is, is you know why why are we fighting so much us liberals? It's fucking terrifying because we do have a common enemy, and we're we have we argue with them, and yeah. it's pointless. Yeah, but but it but it's also you know the amorphousness of our country now. You know, yeah. it's like there's yeah. there's yeah. how do you have a civil war when there isn't a dividing border? There we're all you know it. it, it how, I mean, how many alt-right crazy people are in this state? You know, how many car Republican you know, it's just, voters it's, are in this it's, state? It's, it's going to be car-to-car fighting, uh, you know, house-to-house. It's, it's, it's humiliating how uh, miscegenated we are. Because, you know, as you say, there's not a Mason-Dixon kind of thing. We're trapped living cheek by jowl with you know crazy republican neighbors in simi valley or or you know where i live um yeah everywhere you know, there's there's uh what did uh was it paul or was it michael who said there is good and bad in everyone <laughs> that was paul i believe that was paul that was, was that Paul's, Ivory? Paul's line? yeah yeah uh I, I feel like we have every option you know we're, we're such complicated machines and so many of us are smarter than you and me like we're pretty smart right i mean a lot of the people you talk to they're not going to entertain uh you know uh, sort of uh i can't even think of the word that's so uh much i want people to be smarter than me who are running things uh the uh the esoteric you know the 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 non-physical the fucking uh uh the stuff that isn't directly in front of us all the time we have to be able to think about that stuff in complicated sort of ways and otherwise we we won't have any good ideas and we won't be able to follow any good plans and uh you know, when you meet smart people and you hang out with smart people and you go, ah, that's refreshing, you know, things are going to get better. And then you go to the world and you see all the real people. Mm. And, you know, these people like symbols. Mm-hmm. I like, I, I don't like flags. I kind of like guns, you know, as symbols, but like gun as a symbol, as a political symbol, that's bad. I don't like that because I don't, I don't agree with the gun people. So what the fuck do I... And, it's hard not to get swayed uh, in every possible direction, which is why I don't understand why we have only two fucking basic 
political parties in this country. Seems um, like we should have a hundred. I agree. I think that uh, a set of rules were put in place that make it impossible yeah. for those two parties not to be the two parties. Yeah. And uh, it's a bummer. Because I'm all for a third party. I mean, I fantasize about joining a political party in the United States of America that's called the Party of Reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, but then somebody would fuck it up. They'd ruin reason. Well, reason's been fucking ruined. You, know? I mean, for, for, you think about these women that wrote... Uh, I, 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 uh, uh, Oh, uh, all these books about the the second sex and the fucking uh, you know all these all these books uh, from second wave feminism that were you know a big part of my education and there's like these women are fucking you better not tell them they're not women you know and then and then this other fucking party comes up and says you know what we're women too and you better not tell us we're not women and you're like well on a human level absolutely of course right oh fuck what do I tell Sally. No, you know yeah. what do I? How do I? How do I talk to Sally about this? I mean, she's not going to feel like those are women. Fuck. You know, it's a, it's a real, it's a real, yeah. it's a real schism. That's a real dichotomy, I mean, and it's a real question that people really need to answer. And at the same time, is it that ten dollars? Is it as important as the fact that ten dollars is a fucking you know really good wage in Tennessee, and Missouri, no. and the Dakotas? You know, no. It's not, I mean, it's hard for me to say, given that it's not my sexuality in question, not my identity in question, but yeah, it seems to me that the economics of, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of people outweighs the, uh, the identity issues of uh, uh, countably fewer people. I mean, that's just math. Now, uh, these decisions have to get made by people smarter than I am who can entertain esoteric thoughts, you know, multiple clouds of thought at the same time. I can't even get off a fucking podcast <laughs> in three and a half hours. All right. Uh, I apologize. No, no. I, 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 that was, this is good. It was cathartic for me. Uh, yeah, I got it. I got to change my trousers. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's but cathartic for anyone listening, but it was cathartic for me, and that's what matters. Uh, we do this, uh, I don't think it's a secret to anybody, when two middle-aged white guys do a podcast for a period of years on uh, the gun hobby or my movie hobby. It's almost always movies. I pretend that there are other topics, but we're just yeah. one of the millions. Yeah, uh, I think everybody knows. We're doing it so we can stay friends. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And thank you guys for listening, but really, it's not about you. <laughs> yeah, it's not. But we'll see you next time. But I kiss you. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Oh, baby, won't you tell me? What's on your mind?